the world is changing. And every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, August 12th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Really jam-packed show. A lot to fit in today. I'm going to try to keep it to two hours, but we saw how that worked out yesterday. There's just too much to talk about these days. Now, we're going to start off with some foreign policy, some really important conversation around what's continuing in Gaza, but that they're also Israel is also now bombing Syria. And the moral of the story always around this conversation, or rather the point of the story, is that nobody in the West seems to care, despite it being in any way you shake it illegal, but it doesn't matter, right? The, the people that want their rules-based international order, except for those over there, except for those guys there, except for that action there, except when we do this, right? That, that's multiple caveats, if, if all caveats, except the people they want to throw that on top of, like Iran and Syria, whoever they want to blame in their rules-based international order. What an insult to your intelligence to act like they even care about the rules well, we're going to talk about that conversation, Ukraine as well, and a couple updates on what is happening there with Crimea and, and some disconcerting realities about how the, the Ukrainian military seems to be openly uh, just, I mean, they're making videos on Twitter about threatening Russians from staying out of areas, otherwise they'll get bombed and killed. Civilians. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about, how this is, there's no explaining why that's okay, while that's acceptable. And trust me, they see this stuff. They know that's happening. They know it's there. And just ignore it. Pretend it's not happening. Uh, let's make sure. Oh, just wanted to make sure these were okay. Good. Looked like that wasn't going through for a second. And then we're going to get into after that today. We're, I'm going to try to give you the breakdown of the time, even like I was talking about in regard to the segments. But some censorship and what Twitter's now doing. You guys might have seen their new policy, which I think is really ridiculous. But some important conversation there and the overlap around WHO and how they're coming after conspiracy theorists or what they're calling conspiracy theorists. And then we're going to have a really big discussion about the FBI, the warrant, the search, and what I see as the manufactured civil war that they're building right now. Now, there's a lot of discussion around that about just, just because that is happening doesn't therefore mean that Trump didn't break the law. doesn't mean there's a lot of conversations to have there. But it's very clear to me, as I've been saying the entire time, and clearly and still tying this to what's happening in Ukraine with the white supremacist threat that the CIA has built. These are not hypotheticals, guys. This is an easily provable fact. And how that relates back to what they're trying to point at in this country, the Rise Above movement, Charlottesville, all of this ties together, the same fingerprints, the same agenda. I believe that's what we're talking about here, that they're building this to be used against conservatives, to be, sh to be basically they're hoping they'll take the bait on some of the things they're building. And even if not, building the narrative large enough to argue that just because they're there by virtue of being conservatives, that therefore we have a problem because don't, don't you know, they're all white supremacists. We, we see the dumbed down, reduced, simplified arguments of pretty much both political sides today, that that kind of thing flies. 
that they're 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 on that party. Therefore, they're all that. They're they're all doing that today, and it's alarming. I mean, it's but this is what I see building, and I don't personally see it from a two party paradigm perspective. I think the government, or rather, whoever's pulling the strings of all these governments today, are trying to create this here. Don't forget about before the 2020 election, even people in the, the World Economic Forum conversation were arguing that this election in this country was not just the most important of our lifetime kind of argument, but the most important election for the world. How that even makes sense. I mean, you can understand how, you know, the foreign policy of the U.S. government has its fingers in literally everybody else's business. So that would make sense. But I believe it's rooted to something bigger. And I believe that's what this is. And it comes from much bigger than a two party paradigm point. That's why I'm trying so desperately to get people to see, most importantly on the conservative side right now, that they're being played. In my opinion, I believe it's true. Even the people being voted in in the red wave and all the way this is going, I don't believe it's what they think it is, just like they thought it was QAnon and Trump. And well, look how that worked out. They still think a lot of them, this is the extension of that same thing. But I'll go off on that in a minute. But we're going to talk about that discussion about what they're building and the very obvious ways they're already calling this like the, the beginnings of an insurrection when it's not even, nothing's even happening yet. It's, it's very transparent, but it's all over the media right now. Now we're also going to get into COVID-19 of course, and the eating crow discussion I had in the Ted line, which you probably all saw NPR put out this big, this big post about how the CDC has now changed their guidance. It's just ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous in the sense that they are, at, that's the definition of eating crow. They have been screaming that we were right up until moments ago that if you're not vaccinated, you're going to kill your grandma. You're going to kill everybody in, 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 in Canada. I mean, he, they just even doubled down on that. Plenty of other countries, New Zealand, saying that you're basically arguing that if you don't have injections, if you're not up to date, that you're risking everybody. And now they're just switching their guidance to say, oh, no, never mind. You don't have to test anymore. You can be around each other. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I'm being I'm making it as facetiously covering it in that way. But the point is, that's what the statement says. So moments ago, it was dangerous. Now it's not. Explain that. What's the new science? Oh, there's none. It's the same information. So what happened there? Are they and, and even while that's happening, they're still on the other side of this screaming about how kids have to get these injections now or they're in trouble. But wait a minute. You just said it. It doesn't make sense. All the fervor, all the push, all the political incentives, it's not really adding up at all anymore, even with what they point at as their science. But yet it continues as children go to the hospital, as unexplained deaths everywhere seem to lead the cause. And we can't explore baffled at why. Yeah, we all know why. They all know why. But seemingly it continues as we have continued to say this will stop when we stop it. Not one party or their side or it's when we as the American people stop it together. It will stop. Of course, we're going to get into the absurd. I have to talk about the Fauci effect and what he called it. This is the most ridiculous thing I've seen. And this is a key part to this conversation today about what the, the illusion, maybe even to themselves, that they have the majority or that people believe and trust in them. And it's only this fringe circle over here that doesn't. But that's not true. And I believe that most of them know that. As they sit in this little cloud, you know, comfortable room with everybody masked up except the people speaking, which makes no sense when they're right next to each other. It's just so ridiculous acting about, oh, everybody trusts Fauci. And that's why he's driving people to science and and then goes out and pitches and gets booed by everybody. It's obvious that there's not that there's something that just doesn't add up. And we're going to talk about the immune illusion I poked at the other day. But I wanted to really break this down Their fact check about how it doesn't lower your immunity. And then we'll follow that by all the peer-reviewed science and even the other corporate media outlets that literally verbatim say that that's what the boosters are doing. And yet here's NBC going, fact check, you're all being lied to. 
because my guy says otherwise. That's science? That's corporate media? No, that is propaganda. That's all we get today. And we'll talk about monkeypox and a quick little part about digital IDs to end. And the monkeypox part is crazy. So it will probably be a long show. We'll see if I can't rapidly get through this. But let's start off with foreign policy. I just can't believe we continue to see this. And it, it ends up being a con- like I, this. The crazy part about this for those in the podcast, Sarah Abdallah, which you should be following. Breaking Israel's dropping bombs on Syria right now. And yet you can't find this anywhere I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I mean, obviously, I, I found it. The only place I found it on an article that I could find other than the ones you might expect covering it, you know, the what they would call the fringe propaganda media for Syria or whatever else that they have that you are hard to find anywhere that are blocked everywhere is France 24. Israeli strike kills three Syrian soldiers near Damascus. Now, guys, they're not at war with each other. Like, you know, te- legally speaking, right? So when they just bomb Syria and kill their soldiers, this is a war crime. It doesn't matter that they say Iran anything and never, ever even have to prove that that's the case, which would matter if it was actually they cared if it was, a you know, that they're breaking the law. But this is incredible that it continues to happen. And on top of that, they kill civilians all the time when this happens or when they bomb the airport or the international or the Damascus center in general, the Damascus area in general. Bottom line is this continues to happen and your government and the rules international, the international, the rules based international order and all the arguments they keep making fall flat on their face when you see this kind of stuff happen. I mean, it really just has to make you upset that they're being like I keep saying the people that stand up and scream that they're doing right by everybody while they murder people are the worst of the worst of the worst. Now, I want you to think about something here In in the context of all of this, not just foreign policy. But I mean, it's it, I mean, actually, well, wait, wait till I get to one more point and I'll make I'll, I'm going to I'm going to express something that's been on my mind. It has to do with the hypocrisy of all of this, but it stems originally from foreign policy in my mind. But they are bombing Syria right now and nobody seems to care. And you won't be able to find this. And at the very least, any corporate media, especially not any American media, there is nobody pointing in this right now unless it's from an argument that they Iran did something and they got bombed and their depot got attacked. It's not actually whatever is really happening. But next, we have the extension of the of the Israel of the Israel and Gaza story, where they were just bombing Gaza for. Last I checked, it was over sixteen children killed, over forty five people killed, and still no. The, the most you're going to see is an argument about how Israel is defending itself, which, by the way, again, is literally impossible in a sense where they are legally illegally occupying a territory as the UN has always maintained, which the Geneva Conventions argue they have a right to armed rebellion. You guys have all heard this before. The point, though, is that matters. So as they continue to attack and your entire Western corporate media says defending themselves, you know that they're all either too stupid to know that they're wrong or happy to lie to you. It's that simple. And so Robert follows up and acknowledges that this is extended past Gaza. After attacking Gaza, Israel's now attacking the West Bank and people died. What you can see in the image here is a woman carrying her dead son. And this person is, is, is a, you know, a martyr in their community because he was showing people that there's a reason to stand up and resist. And this is a young kid who, as Robert points out, was not extremely well militarily trained, but yet somehow was able to evade them. And and the point is, all this is doing is growing the resistance. They're hoping that it won't grow and they can fight West Bank and Gaza independently, but that's not what's going to happen. But read the article, guys, because this is being, as it says, Israel's occupation killed four Palestinians in the West Bank this Tuesday. That's on top of everything in Gaza. Did you hear anything about this by from Fox or CNN? 
Think about that and what that shows you about both sides of the false two-party paradigm as they act like one side's the real one and one side's not. And they both say that, except there are very key things that both of them lie to you about and both of them omit. That's the point. And on top of that, the video we just did, or rather the clip that Star put up about the video I just did, or from the video I just did on, I believe this was TikTok, right? I think so. Shoot, I, I guess I should have. Yeah, it is TikTok. This happened on, on Instagram as well. But look, um, children murdered in Gaza. On This is a clip of the daily wrap-up, and they, and they gave it a community guideline violation and took the video down. Oh, and by the way, you'll notice that some of these videos will say zero and very low numbers, which is just ridiculous in the sense that they get much more engagement than that, as we can prove. But why is that taken down? It's provable that it happened. It's provable that they bombed them. It's provable that they killed them because it was not even, even by their narrative, they weren't defending anything. They were going after something. There wasn't a first attack like they always argue. This is something in the one of the first times in a while where they openly are talking about the fact that they took the first action. But look, it does, but you just can't point it out, apparently. Now, even further than that, if this is a Chinese-run site, which is kind of the standing argument, wouldn't they want that to be talked about? It, just, it, it doesn't really add up. The bottom line is censorship is everywhere, and it really comes down to the fact that they don't want you talking about very key things. But here's another point of this that I want people to understand, and I've always pointed this out because there's – and it's it's gotten, at least in my circles, apparently, like maybe I, I only say that because maybe there's – a huge conversation that I'm not seeing anymore because we do end up in our own little echo chambers, no matter how hard we try. But what I was going to say is that there used to be a much larger push to make this all about Jewish people bad, no matter what, from a lot of people fighting against the Israeli actions, which is just a bad stance. And I think insulting and ignorant personally, because as I've always pointed out, there is a lot, lot of Jewish people predominantly or a lot, I should say in the Orthodox Jewish community in Israel that actively speak out against Israel and their Zionist apartheid state. And the fact that what they do is, in fact, hijack their Judaism, their, their Jewish beliefs, and use them for the Zionist political movement, acting like it's the same thing, and it's not. So I'm not going to go into that because it's such a deep conversation, but just recognize here for the podcast, these are Jews at yesterday's rally, and this was yesterday in uh, this August 9th, in solidarity with, solidarity with Gaza and Palestine inside the Grand Central Terminal in New York City. Now, you do find a lot of these in New York or other places, but I've shown you many times that these kind of groupings and these kind of protests happen in Israel. And usually, or in the past at least, they get attacked by the IDF. How do you make sense of that? If it's all, you know, these are Jewish people being attacked by the IDF for standing up for Palestine. That, that, that's the reality, guys. Now, is that predominant? No. I'll go, just like we see in Ukraine, these things have influenced a lot of people. And there are, as Abby Martin's great work has shown, both here and places like, uh, where else? If, anyway, just specifically here, she's shown you that these people are openly racist against Palestinians. And I'll make that point here next. And th there's a lot of them, but that doesn't mean all of them. I can't even speak to whether it's the majority. My gut, what I see tends to speak to that. And I believe there's a lot of Israeli government action that makes that, that facilitates that argument. But bottom line, there are a lot of Jewish people inside of Israel and out that are actively standing up for Palestinians. But the point here is not to say, not to just, to sh well, I, I can play it for a second. See, it says Zionism. It says, right, the, the image is always opposed Zionism and the state of Israel, right? These are, these are Orthodox Jews that very clearly understand that Zionism is not the same thing as the Jewish faith or whatever. They are stealing that idea and using that. And it's a political agenda, guys. And it's deep. And I find it quite nefarious. Now, that by itself, by like the ADL and so on, is argued as racist. 
as anti-Semitic. How in the world can it be anti-Semitic when we're literally looking at Jewish people? Not even to mention the fact that this a Semite is not even the way. It's all manipulated, guys. The bottom line, though, to get again, not to get rooted in this conversation, is that it's not what it seems. And that everybody seems to recognize these days that what is happening to Palestinians is unbelievably sinister, wrong, murderous. Yeah, that these are the exact actions we're trying to call out. And finally, people are seeing it in one of the longest standing atrocities. Yemen is another example. And, it, you know, so and so on. Slowly, people are seeing it. Here's the racist mentality I'm talking about. Now, usually, guys, this is about the settlers that are actively trying to uproot people from their homes and take their territory based on some lie about how they're, I, again, to get into this conversation would take a lot of, a lot of, lot more conversation. But the point is, that the settlers are illegally taking land. That's simply based on the idea that this is occupied territory as the UN's always maintained it on and on. But dozens of Palestinian workers ordered off Israeli bus to make room for Jewish passengers. That's a, this is Haaretz from, this is an Israeli outlet telling you, and I'll read a couple of parts of it, that there's dozens of Palestinian workers that were ordered off a bus by the driver the argument, though, is that he was manipulated by something, but, there's, but the point simply is that it happened. That Jewish people manipulated the situation to make sure is Palestinians were kicked off the bus to make room for them. Now, if there's no other way around this. That is a racist sentiment. I mean, for crying out loud, thinking of Rosa Parks and the bus conversation, I mean, Americans of all people have to see how that relates. Now, think, you know, this is my point, what I was going to say before. I want us to think about this, not just foreign policy, but this is where it starts for me. Think about the dishonesty here, the logical inconsistency that it takes to claim to be fighting nationalism, let's say, because we see that today, that that's the worst thing in nationalism. It's, it's, you know, conflating it with things like white supremacy, which is ridiculous. There is an overlap. There can be, but it's ridiculous to say that one is the other. But the, the dishonesty, the logical inconsistency that it takes for a government or a person to be claiming to fight nationalism. Yet the locations right now receiving the most money and weapons from the U.S. government, both of them are openly espousing and screaming the idea of nationalism, the Ukrainians and the Israelis. And they will openly speak about it, not like a side conversation, but that's their Israeli nationalism. is That's everything. That's what they speak about. Ukrainians are marching through the streets and yelling this about it. And even when you see Twitter people make, argue, discussing it, they'll use phrases and terms that mean that. And they don't even realize it. Yet they're standing up and screaming that nationalism is the worst thing in the world. That is insulting to your intelligence and even to theirs if they can't see it. Think about the inconsistency there. Or to claim to be fighting white supremacy while supporting an openly supremacist area government like Israel or openly supremacist government like Ukraine. Like, just think about that for a minute. I mean, the Ukrainian situation alone, as even now they're being forced to admit, yeah, they do have a Nazi problem. So think about how dumb it is for Biden to be arming them more than anyone. I mean, almost five, three times more than anyone else in the world while acting like he's fighting Nazis and white supremacy. I mean, it just it is too much to take. Or to claim to fight racism. In the same situation as Israelis are openly being racist against Palestinians, as Ukrainians are openly being racist against Russians. And I'll show you that next. Or, to, or as a government or a person to claim to support the right to independence and ignore places like Palestine, ignore places like Yemen, Crimea, Donetsk, etc. There's a lot of them. Or to claim to support free speech, yet actively suppress speech that they disagree with at every turn. I'm talking about the government, by the way, guys, because it happens on both sides. Or to claim to be fighting terrorism. 
while openly supporting more terrorists than anyone on the planet or supporting the most authoritarian governments all around the world, like Saudi Arabia, while screaming democracy and freedom, claiming to be, <coughs> excuse me, claiming to, to defend, claiming to be defending anything while actually attacking everything, claiming to be making vaccines while truly making weapons. They claim to be guided by the people while truly being led by special interests and corporations. We know all of these things. We all actually know this. Or pretending to fight for your health while actively destroying it. Claiming to make your life easier, while in fact doing everything it can, trying to control it at all costs. I mean, my God, guys, this is just a few things that I rattled off the top of my head. Everywhere you turn, the very thing they say they are is the opposite of what they're doing. I believe everybody sees this back to this point to act like you're fighting racism and yet turn a blind eye to that support that arm that should make you outraged, especially as this continues to happen right now. 11 year old Palestinian girl, just to make it one person and personal Ra, uh, Ra I don't, I don't want to mispronounce her name, especially since what she's going through, but this young 11 year old girl lost both of her legs and her arm as a result of an Israeli airstrike in the latest Israeli onslaught in the Gaza Strip. There's no denying this. You can't, not, I mean, ask yourself what kind of excuse would make this make sense. We watch the videos of civilian areas being actively bombed. Why is that okay? Especially in an area that they're not allowed to leave from. It's an open air prison. I don't care what kind of argument you spin at that. These people cannot leave. Their electricity, their water is dramatically controlled. Their water is undrinkable most of the time. My God. This situation should really bother you. Switching over to Ukraine, the same argument about how the U.S. government could support something like this. Here's Ukraine news. And by the way, an outlet that people will argue is, is partisan or whatever or, or bias. Most of these places are. But in my opinion, so far, has done great, new, great work at informing you about what's going on. They're pointing out that a survey was done in Zaporizhia. Uh, the, the power plant, the nuclear power plant location, showing overwhelming support. Now, of course, surveys can be manipulated. We all know that. But they, the survey was done showing overwhelming support by residents for joining the Russian Federation, which is exactly what happened in Crimea. Exactly what we the sentiment from Donetsk. 77% of residents in the survey wanted a referendum and 82% want to join Russia. Now, even if it was completely above board and there, every single country in the world was there to watch it done, the U.S. government would still call it fake and still act like Russia occupied it because that's how stupid this has gotten. But they don't want to be there, right? This is a lot of people. Now, on top of that, here is what the Ukrainian government is openly saying. And then ask yourself, why in the world would these people want to leave a place like that? Because they're openly authoritarian. They're openly white supremacist. And they're openly anti-Russian. And these people don't want to be there. Like we get the places like Crimea, Donetsk, Lugansk, the Donbass area. These people are predominantly Russian speaking. So ask yourself, or just realize it obviously makes sense to not want to be in a place where they act like you're a second-rate citizen or, you know, kill you if you do anything or maybe just for no reason at all. Here's the video they just put out. Now, here's what it says. Unless they want an unpleasantly hot summer break, we advise our valued Russian guests not to visit Ukrainian Crimea because no amount of sunscreen will protect them from the hazardous effects of smoking in unauthorized areas. Now, they're not talking about smoking. They are literally playing a game uh, they're joking about murdering Russian civilians 
just because they're there. Watch the clip for yourself. There's no, there's no misunderstanding this. For those in the podcast, it's basically saying, here's all these other areas you can go to. But if you choose Crimea, and then it shows a bunch of bombings. Big mistake. Like, those are civilians running away from bombings. Like, why is that acceptable? You're not supposed to be bombing in areas where there's civilians. I mean, but they don't care. They have the backing and the support and the willful ignorance of the U.S. government. That's a Russian person's crying, saying, I don't want to leave Crimea. It's so cool here. Like, why would they put that in there? Like, that's this is in, playing happy music. It just makes you sick that this is the acceptable level of conversation, but only if you're on the side of the bad guys. Oh, excuse me, the good guys fighting for freedom. I shouldn't even say I'm kind of joking because I don't like to use the binary, ridiculous, one way or the other kind of argument. The point is there's plenty of people that are involved in our government that probably want to do good through a broken system. But the bottom line is from the top down, your government is doing this. That's all you need to see. And I don't I, I personally do not believe, by the way, a quick shout out. I'm going to be speaking with uh, Pasta from uh, Combo Couch and, and Wake Up to talk about election stuff in, in the next probably the next week, because it's important to have these conversations. And I'd like to get someone's take on the other side of this where, you know, my stance, I, I, I'm on, I, I, I keep jokingly saying I'm on the adult Santa Claus level of what I think these elections are. The ridiculous nature of why we ever believe that this is actually what it means. We are believing in something that is an obvious falsehood. That our elections do not mean what we think they do. That our votes don't actually end up translating to people being elected. Now, I could be wrong. I believe quite strongly there's an endless amount of evidence to show you that. Like Clint Curtis testifying to the broken, the, hack, the manipulated machines. I was going to say hacked, but they, they are and are regularly done that way. But that he testified to altering them to be able to be manipulated. In front of it was a state, state congressional hearing. They literally said it, did it. They proved it. And then guess what? They use those same machines the next election. How in the world do you make sense of that unless you realize that it's the meant, they're meant to be manipulated? Anyway, the point is, these people are crying about leaving and they're making fun of it. And then if, if or Crimea is Ukraine, which it's not, everybody anywhere knows that except for the broken corporate media and, and the Ukraine and, the, and the, those that support the West in this context. But the bottom line is, it's very easily verifiable that they had a vote, that they chose to lead, that they're predominantly Russian speaking. I mean, again, as they're killing Russians, as they're as they're making fun of them, as they're doing everything they can to disparage them and, and just why would they want to stay there? Like, think about how how easy that would be to show that they're arguing that they didn't vote and Russia took over. Why would they fight to stay at a place where they think that they're not good? I mean, it's just it's childish. But this is what your government supports. Now, Jordan Satchtel points out, and this is just adding to the same point. It's interesting that Ukraine is showcasing its use of heavy bombing, by the way, bombing weaponry supplied by the U.S. government against areas that were just recently under Kiev control. So they're admitting to bombing cities that are filled with Ukrainians that they claim they were just defending. Not exactly a hearts and minds approach. It's very easy to show all of this, guys. It's amazing to me that they, so it's okay now that they're bombing civilians. It's always been okay for them to do it, but you can just accuse Russia of it. And every outlet in the world screams it, Ukraine says. Now, here's an interesting point. 
Clint points out, there's a secret. Now, this is his opinion, by the way, the, the, what follows. But he says, there's a, se- there's a secret the U.S. government doesn't want you to know. For the first time in history, we are fighting a proxy conflict where victory means nuclear war. By providing Ukraine the weapons to attack Crimea, which they're doing, we are endangering the entire world. <clears throat> now, this comes down to the idea of both a nuclear plant and the idea that they're giving them weapons that could lead to nuclear war with what they're actually doing. Now, this is the point people have made in general about why that the real whether or not you agree with Russia's actions, that the right action for everybody on the peripheral should be to argue down uh, uh, de-escalation. Come to talk, speak with Russia and Ukraine and have discussions about giving Russia something. And, you know, uh, not acquisition, that would be a right word, but um, concessions, right? Letting you take this territory, you take the Donbass region, you know, and that that would make sense in this context, whether or not you feel Russia deserves it. Because it's not about, this is like a my ball, I'm going home kind of thing, which shows you the childish nature of the governments today. Just because you don't want them to win. How about you care about people's lives like you pretend to? The bottom line is they're arming a, a an obviously losing force and allowing them to just lash out with their dying actions and, and hurt people because they don't want to be seen to be losing. They want to pretend it's their, that it's Russia that's losing, even though it's obvious that's not what's happening. It says, on Tuesday, explosions rocked the Saki Air Base in Crimea, destroying multiple Russian planes. We reported on that. It's likely that this was an attack carried out by Ukraine using U.S.-provided long-range weapons. Ukraine's goal is to not simply to prevent Russia from using the base to launch air raids. Instead, this is the first step in a plan, in his opinion, to stage a full-scale invasion of the peninsula, which doesn't surprise me as they're screaming it's, it's Ukraine and that we're not going to give up on Crimea. The ultimate goal is to retake Crimea. And it's a, it's a very important geostrategic point right there, guys, for, for accessing the strait for the, and the little bay here and everything from the Black Sea into the area. It's a very important strait. President Zelensky spelled out that goal in the wake of the Ukrainian attack. He says, quote, this Russian war against Ukraine and against the entire free Europe began with Crimea, not true, and must end with Crimea, with its liberation. These are people that do not. And you, I mean, anybody and people have who goes there and talks to people. That's the, every, it's, you can't find a person that wants to go back to this ridiculous location. Crimea is Ukrainian, he says, and will never give it up. He says, I warned about this scenario four months ago. At the time, the Ukrainian government was sending uh, oblique signals that it intended to use U.S. weapons to retake Crimea from Russia. I explained exactly how that could lead to nuclear war. He says the, t- the too long don't read is that it didn't read is that Putin is, quote, all in on Crimea's status as part of Russia. He has spelled out in the clearest terms possible that Russia will stop it at nothing to hold the territory. If necessary, it will lose nu- use nuclear weapons. Right. Which is far, far, far more restrained than the U.S. government's first policy that we have a right to act first with nuclear weapons. Russia is only at a stance where they will at the last po- they will they will use them if needed. But it's a, like a last resort. That's and th- those are open state of policies, whether they're true or honest is up for you to decide. But the U.S. is openly about we reserve the right to act first with nuclear weapons, which it just shows you their bellicose nature. And yet they call out Russia for even mentioning nuclear weapons as a last resort. Think how stupid that is. But it's okay because the good guys could use them first, right? But it says, finally, it says Putin's threat to use nukes over Crimea is credible because his government could not survive the loss of the territory. If Ukraine recovered Crimea, Putin's hold on power in Russia would be threatened. His life would be in danger from a potential civil war or coup. That's his opinion. So why are we providing Ukraine with weapons that make that nightmare scenario more likely? How does it advance the interest of Americans? That's the real point to take away as you're if an American. 
How is it? How is it national security for you? How is it in your interest to play chicken with an adversary who has six thousand nuclear weapons? Why should we risk life on Earth to return Crimea to Ukraine? Because that's not really what it's about. It's about creating situ- the situation they can use for whatever agenda they're trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, their simple argument is that it's national security risk because Russia, once they take Ukraine, is going to march around the world and overtake ever take the world over. And it, first of all, like I said before, that's not even feasibly possible with what's happening right now and what they have at their disposal and everybody else involved. So it's just a, chi- it's a childish argument that they aim, as I've been pointing out, at the lowest common denominator. People that don't even understand foreign policy, they go, oh, no, Russia's going to invade the world. And so they just stand by, I stand with Ukraine and still don't understand what they're actually supporting. It's alarming, and that's what's continuing to go forward. Now, Ukraine News also points out that nuclear radiation in regard to the power, the nuclear plant that's in this location, the Zaporizhia one, will poison the entire food chain in Europe if Ukraine forces are not stopped from shelling the area, which they're doing. America does not give a damn. Or maybe, just maybe, it's about the creating a situation that hurts the food chain. Just a thought. Remember when they were arguing that Russia was going to hit the hit the nuclear plant and that was going to and seemingly they're the ones now attacking it. It's almost like they continue to argue that what's happening is all Russia, Russia, while they're creating the problem. Maybe it was all planned out before. Just a thought to consider. Now, GC Ukraine points out or argues back in, uh, I think it was March, May 2nd. Visas for all Russians, in quotes, which I'm not even sure what they're implying there, should be immediately canceled around the world. Now, wait a minute. I thought you were trying to help the Russian people. Oh, that's right. That was always a really flimsy lie. Just like you're trying to help the Syrian people, but you're robbing their oil, burning their wheat fields, you know, and killing them whenever you can. No, it's not about any of that, guys. It's about controlling food supply, controlling territory and simple acquisition. Under the guise that you're doing right by the world and fighting for freedom. This is my point about the worst of the worst, as they hurt people and starve people and claim that they're trying to save them. Think about the argument or saying that we're trying to do this to help Russian people, but then in every possible way at taking action against just Russian average people or Russian animals or Russian named animals. Like with the, I think it was the cat show where they were just excluded Russian cats. Like think about how insultingly stupid that is. It says all Russians should be deported, deported from the countries of the civilized world back to Russia. So is it their fault? This is Russia phobia. This is an anti-Russian sentiment, not government but just Russian people. You know why? Glory to Ukraine, because that is what they believe and that's what they espouse. Then that translates right over to you guys or us, like the U.S. government, the U.S. people, right? Paul Massaro says, ban Russian visas. Think about that, guys. Ban Russian visas? I mean, these are people. Do they, I mean, the idea that they, it's, this is exactly what we told you that they were. And this person says, and what about those who are fleeing from the regime? Right. So they're even coming from a stance of like, well, Russia's bad. But what about those that want to get away? Don't we care about them? No, Russia, everything Russia's bad. But this person says they they had almost six months to leave when the war against Ukraine began. Oh, I see. So they were meant to leave their home, their families, their entire life in another country because Russia did something over there. By that logic, everyone in this country in the United States should have been gone 100 years ago. I mean, this this is the this is what they actually argue, though. Therefore, it's okay to hate them if they stay in Russia. This is because it's demonizing the entire continent and anybody that lives there. This person says, so we can say the Ukrainians have time to leave too. Please shut it. Right. Logical inconsistency, guys, because it's not the same thing. No, no. Ukraine, Ukrainians, there's plenty of them still there in an active war. 
Wouldn't you argue they should have left if they don't support what's going on? I mean, it's just stupid. But these are what people in this country with blue checks and everything else are actively supporting. The worst of the worst of the worst. Now, involving involved with that is the fact that they're censoring the other side or the, any other side to their story. That they want to sell a narrative and they want to actively attack anything else as fake news and misinformation. Insider Paper points out that Twitter is now enforcing its policy on election misinformation in the context of the U.S. midterm election starting today. So now they are going to be manipulating this. They're, they're bringing back two things, civil integrity policy, which I argue they were probably always there, as well as what they're calling pre-bunks. Talk about how perfectly aligned that is. Talking about medical pre-crime and all this pre-bunks, what, and I'll show you what those are. The point is, as the lead up to the midterms, it's going to be the same thing all over again. I genuinely do not think that anybody buys this stuff anymore. Most people, I should say. The majority is going just, it's just as obvious as we think it is because it is that stupid. Everything they're doing is transparent and clumsy and even, especially just wait till we get to the monkeypox discussion again. It is so obviously dangerous. Even the emergency use authorization argument, I'll get, I don't want to get into it. I'll be pulled into it. It's obviously ridiculous to claim we're an emergency or that people are at risk enough to give them something that's dangerous. It's the same thing happening here. We're at a point where it is that transparent. But Twitter is now going to step up and add things to preempt what you might think or you might say. Yeah, we're not in some Orwellian situation at all. This is from August 11th. It says Twitter Inc. says it's bringing back pre-bunks ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Last time I guess you saw those would have been 2020 election. Big surprise. In a bid to say to stop misinformation before it starts, they say. How does it work? Twitter explains, quote, over the coming months, we'll place prompts directly on people's timelines in the U.S. and in search when people type related terms, phrases or hashtags. So they're getting they're going out of their way. So let's put it this way. So let's say government's going to come out with a lie. a no, a no, a willful lie. They're going to get ahead of it and they're going to stop people from having certain hashtags and conversations that would logically come around that. Now, they may even believe that what they're doing is protecting the truth. But we already know they've been caught lying about things around COVID-19 that Twitter happily censored, like my conversation about the CDC called us out directly about the very provable vaccine spike shedding problem. But they censored it anyway. And they same thing. So the point in this case would have been if they weren't ahead of that and just started censoring any hashtag around spike protein or anything like that before it even happened. That's what you can expect. Like, think about how Orwellian that is. That's a really good term for it. Besides reviving pre-bunks, Twitter says it's working to prevent misleading tweets from being recommended via notifications. Now, remember when this was fake news too, the suppression of content, the downgrading, or YouTube in the same way, or Google for that matter, when you search for stuff, like go ahead and search The Last American Vagabond on Google and see how that works out for you. You can verbatim search for titles and it will not come up in most cases. The point is, that's the same thing. They are going to be finding things, or rather, I argue, people specifically. Like, you know, not just my content on this one topic, but this channel or this account. And we're going to just downgrade it in general so it's in a corner somewhere where nobody can see it unless they know exactly where to go. And, of course, misleading tweets. Well, misleading like what? Like like immune system problems or like VADs or like, like myocarditis being very problematic or just the idea that it exists. Back then, it was a fake news story that they suppressed. Remember that? Or the Wuhan lab conversation. Fake news until they let us talk about it. Those were all misleading tweets when they first started. And we know they're true. Or, that they're, or at least, in, you know, you get the point. But it says under the policy, oh, it says, and it's, and it's reactivating its civic integrity policy. And under the policy, 
tweets that are deemed potentially harmful won't be lost my place uh, won't be there it is able to be linked or shared or and to reduce the spread of misinformation so the same point you know it's we've already seen that happen where they remove those things you can't share it i mean it's it's just it's unbelievably i spe- oh, guy, guy don't forget based on what we just talked about that the sense the government is actively holding hands with them on what they're supposed to be doing these for absolute certainty are government censorship tactics You can't get past that now. This is the government involved. Therefore, this is state-sponsored censorship. They are everything they scream about when they point at Russia or anybody else. And by the way, they all do it too. Russia, China, actively in China, right? It's the reality. But they are just as guilty. They just hide it. Right now, they're just coming right out with it. Probably because they are thirsty to get to a point to where China is doing what they're doing. Where they can openly be authoritarian. Why not? That's what they are. Pretty incredible. Now, here's an example of how stupid this is. So who's picking what censorship, what gets censored and what's misinformation, right? Who gets to decide? You know who. The state, right? So here's an example of how stupid that is, even from both sides of the of the party paradigm. So this is the point. By you already got, you, This all got talked about. It's one of those side conversations that I argue was pumped out just to get you talking about anything but the big conversation. But it was still important to make the point about how he was being ridiculous. Biden stands up and says, today we received news that our economy had 0% inflation. 0%. That was so blatantly not true. I mean, it was embarrassingly not true. And here's even funnier. You look at the breakdown of my breaking news app. First of all, CNBC comes out and says, wholesale inflation actually fell by 0.5% in July. The same, a minute after that, Fox News Post, wholesale inflation climbs 9.8% in July. (laughs) Uh, what? But here's the even funnier part. Fox Business comes out two minutes later and says inflation, wholesale inflation, falls slightly in July. So even Fox News is contradicting itself. I mean, you, how can you see that by it, it, as anything but intentional? Nothing means everything. Everything means nothing. It's confusing. We don't even know what's happening. And you just could check out. But the point is, guys, somebody's spreading misinformation. Somebody. One of them has to be. They can't all be true. But that's not the point. It's about censoring true information or rather things that just simply challenge the narrative or things they don't want being discussed. And we all know that. I just think it's such an obvious right in your face example of how they just say whatever they want to say. And we get censored for being objective. Now, one last point on this that I found really interesting. I've mentioned I've made a few points over the years about Barry Weiss. You know, again, always the the reference on, on Joe Rogan standing up and attacking Tulsi Gabbard, no, t- sitting up and attacking Tulsi Gabbard as a, a sod toady and didn't even know what the word toady meant. And it was just so embarrassing. And she was a big New York Times writer. Well, guess what just happened? Now, th- and by the way, I will, I will give her a shout out for this because maybe, just maybe, this means that she has recognized the problem or maybe it means she's setting herself up as the new independent when really it's just a new extension of the corporate media. They all know corporate media is lost. They know that nobody trusts them. They know that they've lost the battle. So now they're actively trying. That's why they've been infiltrating YouTube. Remember when YouTube was a ridiculous, oh, it's a YouTuber. It's so stupid. It's all those little kids. And then suddenly, just like that, it was all taken over by corporate media. And they're all using their YouTube channels. And what? You just said it was stupid. How'd that work out? Because they knew, they saw what we saw in it. And now they took it over. Same thing. I, we all see all these so-called independent media channels rising up that are just exactly their corporate media light. That's what they are. 
even if half of them don't know that, as they're just so de- just like groveling at the feet of the corporate media as every chance they get, please let me be in your circle. But here's an example of what somebody who is, I'm on the fence with what just happened here. And I argue, just first point, if she does not get called the conspiracy theorist, if she does not get attacked for, I mean, even her last conversation, that article I just showed you, they're writing articles that are challenging the corporate, the COVID narrative from Barry Weiss's new outlet. So maybe she's seen the light. I'm, you know me, I, don't, I question everybody. I, I don't trust anybody these days. But if she doesn't get called a conspiracy theorist for doing that, the very least you should go, wait a minute. You know, why are they allowing that and not attacking it, especially as an insider? That would be huge to me. But check this out, guys. National Review. Barry Weiss informed her podcast guest, Tim Scott, that during her stint at the New York Times, an editor of the New York Times instructed a colleague to, quote, you, it's not, this is not news to you guys, but everybody else, check, to check with Senator Schumer before running an article. You know, to a lot of the corporate normies, they're like, whoa, that's huge. And here, check this out. Ted Cruz comes in and goes, if this is true, the entire New York team editorial board should resign. He's like, just shut up, Ted. This is every outlet everywhere. And you guys know that because you guys push it. You guys alter the, like even Fox and everybody else. We know these outlets are in a lot of ways manipulated by politics in every way, I think. But I don't want to speak, you know, I don't know for sure. But the point is, Allison Morrow. Oh, it just, I just updated on us right there. Allison Morrow, who we've spoken with a lot, is one of the few, one of the many people we've spoken to that come out and let you know the truth. That they don't get to pick what they talk about. They get influenced. They get controlled. Now, maybe, maybe people like a Tucker Carlson has more control over what they talk about. But do not think for a second that if it was something that was that problematic, that they would just let it happen anyway. That's just not how this works today. But I think that's interesting, don't you? Because all she, what she's doing right there is effectively saying the New York Times is fake. They do not have objectivity. They aren't journalists. If they have to check with a, go, a, a people in the government before they can run a story, then they're not journalists. So big deal. So I mean, so I think that's, I would say good for her for doing that, but let's see how it plays out. Finally, on this last segment, on this part of the segment, uh, is it Majid? Majid Nawaz? I believe that's how you pronounce it, but the point is he was on the high wire and he made a really interesting point in this little segment about the WHO involved with calling out, and this guy's an old, an old Obama guy, for calling out conspiracy theory and what they need to do about it. And then we know what they deem conspiracy theory. All these things that we know are true now that they've admitted are true once we're conspiracy theory. So check this clip out. And this is pretty damn alarming as we see them building out the world government right now, and even getting to the point where many of them are arguing that's what we need. I just saw Harari on a clip saying the same thing is why we need more world government. It's, it's pretty obvious they're pushing for that right now. And this is what they'll do within that, one of the many things. The person that was chair of this committee in the World Health Organization before her was an American. He was Obama's information czar, Sunstein, uh, S-U-N-S-T-E-I-N. That's in there. Cass yep. Sunstein, Obama's information czar. Now, but the interesting thing is what these people believe in. They say with their own words, they tell us what they believe in. So he's written a paper in which he spoke about the need to challenge conspiracy theorists and the government needs to do so. This is the paper. And in this paper, there's a very interesting word that he uses. Uh, one of the recommendations he makes right there at the bottom of the page you're looking at now is cognitive infiltration of the groups that produce conspiracy theories. Wow. Now, I believe, Del, that this is an incredibly sinister term. You can see in recommendations one and two, he talks about banning conspiracy theories and the government taxing, taxing 
or other financial otherwise imposing some kind of punitive measure on those who disseminate such theories. Now, this, this is what we were just talking about, right? The de- So first, it's incentivizing people to do certain things. Then it's going to be a de-incentive to say, well, you're going to be taxed or back in line or you can't do these certain things if you do said thing. And that's where we're at now. And on top of that, the idea of banning conspiracy theory, like take, for example, the idea that myocarditis being caused by these shots was a conspiracy theory. You could th- you could find 50 million, R- you know, whatever, being facetious about it, hyperbolic. You know, you could find an endless amount of articles from corporate media from the beginning 2020, calling 20 into 2021, calling the idea of myocarditis a conspiracy theory, calling it a dangerous, causing vaccine hesitancy and whatever else. So if this had already been there, they could have said, that's a ban. That's a conspiracy theory. Ban it. Ban anybody that says it. Then guess what? We never would have found out that it actually does cause myocarditis. Even right now, they're calling it a conspiracy theory to argue that it's bigger than it is. And we know that it's bigger. The facts and the peer-reviewed science show you that, but they're still arguing it's super rare and the benefits outweigh the risks. It's none of that's true. But the point is, if we had a, if this was there, they would have banned all of this before it even got rolling. And that's the point. So already they've got the really banning quick, and the taxing before we, let, me, let me read it. Let me read it for people because it yep. was really quick. Let's read through just a couple sure. of these points really yep. quickly. So here's what yep. he wrote. Government might itself engage in counter speech, marshalling arguments to discredit conspiracy theories. Government might formally hire credible private parties to engage in counter speech. Government might engage in informal communication with such parties, encouraging them to help each instrument as a distinctive set of potential effects or costs and benefits. And there at the bottom, our main policy idea is that government should engage in cognitive infiltration of the groups that produce conspiracy theories, which involves a mix of three, four, and five. Uh Cognitive infiltration? I mean, how do you argue this is any different than what the Chinese government is talking about doing with Uyghurs? You know, reprogramming and whatever. It's the same damn thing. It's like, it's the same way that, oh, no, it's not called inflation, it's called this. Or, oh, no, it's not a raid, it's called this. It's just nonsensical, different. It's, it's equivocation. The bottom line is, you're talking about trying to physically and manipulatively change people's perspectives, whether they want it or not. That's exactly what they're, just because you don't like, in the context of a certain argument, China bad guy. You just argue that what they're doing is bad. But when we do it, it's all for good reasons. It's the same thing I just talked about. It is hypocritical and is a double standard. They are just as guilty of doing the exact same thing. And we all should know that by now. Let's read the top. What can government do about conspiracy theories? Among the things it can do. <laughs> Dell sounds like me now. <laughs> trying to rush through. It's exactly how I sound at the end of my show sometimes. What should it do? We can readily imagine a series of possible responses. Government might ban conspiracy theorizing. Government might impose. What does that even mean? Ban conspiracy theorizing? Like, so literally, we're not even allowed to ask ourselves, could this be possible? Oh, banned. Can't even have that conversation. That's what they're talking about. How do you even do that? Some kind of tax, financial or otherwise, on those who disseminate such theories. I mean, That's so... How. You, you tax people. So the next thing you know, you got a $10,000 tax because you spread the wrong information. Yeah, I mean, like just total control. This It's certainly not the, based on the Constitution and the, the dream of, of America. Now, I, I'm going to go. I, I, I was almost certain that I, I watched this a couple times earlier. The person that was chair of this committee in the World Health Organization. Okay, yeah, the World. I was going to say I was pretty sure that it was part of the. There was a World Health Organization discussion. I was making sure I wasn't wrong on that. So that that I mean, and this is it ties back to the United States. Well, we can see where this is going. Think about how alarming that is, and we know that they're not. These are people that have been actively disseminating misinformation, lies, willful lies, and they're supposed to be chapman. You know, I mean, look at the disinformation board. Now that worked out for them, and yet they're still going. 
Now, to bring this over into you know, how, I mean, that, that misinformation and the control of the discussion is obviously part of what's being used in this, in regard to Trump, the FBI, I mean, all of it, the way that they're trying to shut down certain conversations in all aspects, right? So right now we're watching with this whole Trump discussion, this very weird, the way that this is rolled out. I mean, it's even, it's even gotten more alarming to me. Again, to me, it's almost secondary now whether Trump was even actually breaking the law. This seems like an actual, very alarming increase in an escalation, let's say, in how, I mean, this is unprecedented in every possible way, not just the rating, but now even using, discussing things like the Espionage Act. Like, what the bottom line is the Clinton argument is very valid here. Like, again, as I said in the beginning, just because one person wasn't held accountable doesn't mean that the other person shouldn't still be accountable for breaking the law. But it does matter to recognize that they will go out of their way to ignore a much, much bigger situation around Clinton. No follow-up, no Espionage Act discussion, no anything. And yet we can watch this go over the, over the top, especially when Trump was even engaging with them for months before this and working with them and having conversations, even put locks on the door that they requested. And on. I mean, it's, it seems very, very obvious that this is not just about these documents. And, and, and the bottom line is that this is about, in my opinion, setting up the situation to outrage his followers to create a situation where they feel he's being attacked because he is being attacked. And, and then suddenly they fall into the trap of taking action in a way that justifies exactly what they want. So they point at them and say, see, we told you that's what they were. We told you they were violent. And then just add on white supremacy and everything else that's not really there in most ways. I mean, I only say most ways because it, could there be a white supremacist? Of course there could. But the idea that just because they're Trump supporters, that therefore that they are that is just about the dumbest thing in the world. These, the, these people... In any sense, any situation you look at, I would argue you will find people that have disgusting beliefs. It's just the way the world works. But to broadly argue that everybody there is that is, a, is I mean, that is racism, guys, in another form. I mean, that is a broad brush, ridiculous, dumbed down argument. But that's what all it's, it's all become that just like in reverse, it's become that all Democrats are satanic pedophiles or whatever the QAnon group is pushing. It's, it's in some cases, I could very clearly point out how there is truth to the idea of the Child, I mean, look at Epstein, look at Dennis Hasser, look at plenty of people, but you could also point out, uh, I'm, you know, I, you could point out Republicans and Democrats in the same situation, but the point is there's something there. But to argue that all of them are one is stupid. So to get to the point, FBI sought nuclear documents in search of Trump's home is now being reported. So what this brings it to, and here's the point again, well, I should let me finish my thought, what this brings it to is the idea that there were, as if what they're stating is true, legally valid reasons if trump wasn't cooperating which is another caveat because he says he was to go in and do this the point i was going to just say ahead of that was that right now even on fox half the people coming up on the show are going look the truth is that we don't know what's going on yet and that is the only time i feel like i've seen honest discussion it's really because of the people they're bringing on and not because of the outlet itself the point is that we don't know this is completely shadowy and clouded, and we don't know really what's going on. And my point in the beginning is even if it turns out that they feel he wasn't doing what he's supposed to, that it's a really hard thing to prove, seeing as how he was meeting with them. They were having cordial meetings about this. They were going through the steps to argue that we knew that he wouldn't comply. How do you prove that? Maybe they have something, and we have to wait to see it. But the point is the partisanship sides are already screaming the same narrative they spoke up when this hadn't even been starting yet. The moment this was announced, everybody grabbed the microphone, yelled what they thought they knew was happening, and that's become the narrative, even to this point. And then when something changes, they go, no, that's fake, or they lied about that. Well, how do we know that? We don't yet. 
It's because you want to believe they lied because you believe Trump is being attacked. He is being attacked. But how about he also maybe broke the law, right? Maybe because he thought he should, he had a right to, maybe because these were important things for something they want to accomplish. I mean, do we really think that's outside their own possibility? Again, though, I don't even think that's what this is about. I think that every single person in this position plays it fast and loose with these things. Obviously, Clinton did. Or obviously, Obama or Biden for crying out loud, which I'll make a point about the laptop in a second. How in the world are we going to pretend like this is equal when we can have obvious criminal activity that they just don't talk about? The point is they all do it. Why they're going after him is a means to an end, in my opinion, about the manufacturing of a civil war, guys. That's what I see happening. And you don't have to call it a civil war. It just has to end up being action they can use to justify what they've always been talking about. I think it's very clear. Now, here's something that frustrates me, and I'm not really even trying to go after or attack anybody, Terrence K. Williams or anybody else, because this guy's actually pretty funny half the time, but it's wildly partisan. But he comes out with this tweet that says, with his gigantic following, 1.2 million people, and says, I believe the FBI planted evidence in his home. Raise your hand if you agree. I'm just like, gosh, darn it, man. Now, again, yes, he's not saying it did happen. He's saying, I believe that. But we know that and he has a right to do this, first of all. I'm not asking. There's no reason he shouldn't be allowed to say that. What I'm saying is from like a responsibility standpoint with somebody that large or even just anybody for that matter. My point is it's, it's, it's intended to push a partisan angle because right now, whether it's because he said it or because he got it from somebody else, we, I, you see it everywhere. In this part, in the Republican side of this, they are already arguing as a fact that they planted evidence. It's all I, I made sure to check all sorts of conversation boards and whatever else. People are saying, yeah, they planted that. We know that. How do you know that? You don't know that. And that's the point. Now, is it possible? Of course it's possible. As I said, it must be fun to just subjectively set evidence-free narratives. Do I doubt that the FBI is capable of doing that? Of course not. You guys have seen my coverage long before this happened. The FBI is one of the most corrupt organizations on earth, in my opinion, in this country for sure. And since its impetus, it has been an anti-constitutional, a counter to the constitution entity. I've made that point way before we got here, way before 2020. That's the reality, guys. They do not support you as an American, in my opinion. I think they've shown that roundly. So it's interesting before all this that it was all about supporting them and Trump was on their side. And it's an interesting point here. It's funny how this is flip-flop now. Where before it was the Democrats are, you know, defund the police and the Republicans are like, how dare you? And now it's the Republicans saying defund the FBI and the Democrats are saying, oh, how dare you? No, that's it's like, think about how stupid and obvious that is. Why do people keep buying the flip flop of the two party paradigm? But it says they are a corrupt institution. I've long said that. But to just assume that this is happening, it's just team sport politics, guys, team sport politics. It's ridiculous and it's frustrating. Now, plenty of people engage down here and said, like this person says, he's not assuming it's what he expects to happen. You know, and I said, I get that. I said, that's fair. And he even responded saying, well, that's weird. Did he censor me? <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Seeing as how I thought we were having a cordial conversation because he followed up. I said, that's fair. I said, how are my points related to two-party paradigm stuff? But then he followed up saying, oh, that, I get that. That Thank you for responding. That makes sense. That's what he said. But apparently he blocked me. <laughs> Whatever. God, I hate two-party politics, man. It's so frustrating. But the bottom line is, guys, it's not about saying that Terrence is wrong and pointing that out. It's that at the end of the day, the idea that we're already grabbing a narrative before it starts is just irresponsible. You know, and then in the same conversation, this person falls up. Oh, shoot. This person steps in and says, assuming the warrant was legit is also team smart politics. And I just said, who's assuming that? Not me. I'm saying the same point in reverse. People that are assuming either side of it. That's the team's part politics. I'm waiting for more information. 
But he steps in and says, oh, and here's the judge who signed off on the warrant paying just like Maxwell. Oh, look at them sitting next to each other. Except that's not even remotely true because it's a completely faked Photoshopped image that's not real. See, even people that are stepping in, mean, mean, either he didn't know that or he didn't care, but this is the problem. That's Epstein, by the way, in that picture. Here's the, the, this is the kind of stuff that happens in the two-party paradigm because you want to assume that a judge was there and it's an Epstein. Well, there you go. Therefore, now I'm not even saying that means he wasn't involved with Epstein. The point is that that's a fake image and partisan people are spreading it just like this. That's the problem. They already choose a side. Anything that goes along with it, they love. And this is why the sides hate us along with the government. It's why we're pariah, persona non grata. Human uh, Hunter Biden laptop repairman, John Paul Mack, Isaac, says the FBI agents threatened him to hush up. Where's that conversation? Why isn't this a big deal? How about we go after the reality of the sitting president being involved in some wildly high-level high corruption as opposed to some documents that you think Trump might have mishandled? Like, think about how crazy that is. August 11th, this comes out. Now, this is it. He wrote a book, apparently, and it says the computer repair shop owner who blew the whistle on the, bo- the laptop to begin with claims in a new book that the FBI agent threatened him to stay silent. Now, yes, that's what he's saying. You have to take his word for it. But I, I think it's there's some there's some credibility to this, in my opinion, based on what they've done. But you have to, you know, consider that he could make it up. That's always possible. The repairman who had volunteered to hand the laptop over to the feds two months earlier said the alleged threat came after he made a joke telling them, hey, lads, I'll remember to change their, your names when I write the book like a joke. Agent Wilson kept walking, but Agent DeMeo paused, turned back to him and said, uh, as I said, the agent then told him it's our experience that nothing ever happens to people that don't talk about these things. Now, you could take that one of two ways. That he's giving him some helpful advice to say, look, if you don't engage with this, you usually won't have any repercussions. But the way he took it, and, and he was there, if it happened, is that he was threatening him. And that's, I mean, geez, that's how I would kind of take it too. I, I honestly, that would maybe be really uncomfortable. But he goes on to say, was he being paranoid? Was that what he told him? Was it a threat? Was it a thinly veiled one? Then it says the post reporting of the trove of emails discovered on the device has raised serious questions about what President Biden knew of his son's overseas business deals, which, by the way, directly relates to Ukraine and plenty of other really important topics. Think of well, what a big coincidence, right? How this stuff happened before and suddenly Ukraine becomes a central topic. I mean, come on, guys. Isaac said he was eventually forced to shut down his business after being harassed when just, you know, coincidentally, his private information was leaked. That seems pretty interesting. But he filed a multi-million dollar defamation suit in May against Democratic Representative Adam Schiff and a string of media outlets, including CNN, Daily Beast, and the Politico, saying they falsely accused him of peddling Russian disinformation. Right. Well, they're obviously wrong, so hopefully he wins lots of money from them because this is not Russian disinformation. But what's interesting, too, is that this is, you know, again, it's up in the air. You don't, you can't prove that he said that. You don't know if it's true. So it's a 50-50 coin flip. What I think is interesting, though, is there's, this is a big story. That even that he said it, and yet you don't see any of this happening even remotely in the same way that they're framing it. I mean, everything in the corporate media is focusing on the Trump situation right now. Very interesting. Now, here's the part that I think is unbelievable. The DOJ is apparently now investigating if Trump broke three federal laws, including the Espionage Act. I mean, that is such an overreach. It's incredible, especially since he was a sitting president. And obviously has the ability to declassify documents. And obviously we could look at a million other examples or a lot of them of Clinton, of Obama, plenty of situations where these things happen. You could even argue they didn't even mean to if you want to pretend they didn't know. But at the end of the day, to go so far over the top and argue as he's engaging with them that he violated the Espionage Act, 
That's the same thing they're talking about with Assange. It's also equally unjustified for Assange. But my God, it's also kind of ironic seeing as how Trump was discussing this for Julian Assange. Now he's the victim of the Assange or the Espionage Act. But man, 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 this is this is guys going to upset the Dem- the Republicans. And hopefully they just don't take that bait because this is going to be used against them. Mark my words. But guys, this if you don't think this is politically motivated now, you are not paying attention. This is an open attack against him with ridiculously flimsy ar- arguments e- or, you know. Yeah, arguments, I guess. But even even if he did actually violate some rule or law, this is such an overstep. It's incredible. Now, this brings over into the idea of what happened right after that. And I think this is, again, it just speaks to the very weirdly coordinated and manipulative situation of all of this. I'll come back to this. But remember, the oh, wait, uh, that's not the one I wanted. Oh, wait, I think I had it uh, right here. Yeah, right here. I'll open this. Forgot to open that. I'll come back to these. But we talked about this one specifically, but and the, and the January 6th discussion. I'll come back to making that point. But the idea of the, as I called it, the Patriot Front, January 6th, vanilla ISIS PSYOP. Like this weird, this ridiculous group that, by the way, was doing these very weird Antifa-like marches, like right before all this kind of kicked off and very, very suspicious. And they all weirdly got arrested, but they left all their masks on. And then remember, they facilitated them loading them into these vehicles and everything about this was so flimsy and transparent. But the point, before I get ahead of myself, is that this FBI attack and the whole way all this worked out. And the person that it turned out to be, they claim, and all the stuff on his Twitter account. I mean, none of this feels genuine to me. Even if it is, though, remember that this is how this is being set up. Because I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people, especially those caught up in the QAnon PSYOP, believe the government agent acting as Q, telling them to do certain things, then go out and do certain things. It doesn't even have to be that they're that it's a, a false, like that they fake it. You know, that the... Popular, the Patriot Front goes out and it's actually secret government agents. Like that's very real possibility. But let's understand that with what's happening, it would not be out the realm of possibility that some of these people would believe that they're taking action based on what the community thinks they should be doing. And they take violent action and then boom, boom, boom. It's, it's exactly what they want. They are what they said they were. I don't believe that's everybody in this. I don't even believe that's a fraction of the conservative movement, but I do believe that it's it's enough people that they're trying to, it's like I keep saying, it's that meme. I should grab that meme. Hold on. See if I can grab it real quick. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> this one. <laughs> oh, wait, there's nothing there. Oh, I guess you can, you can make it. That's pretty cool. But so the idea is that it's this meme. Let me get just the, the general one, see if I can bring this up. Yeah. You know, this guy poking something. Come on, do something. That, that's what's happening right now. Come on, come on, conservatives. Invade, attack, do something. All right, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's so obvious to me. That's my opinion, obviously. But let's go through this real quick. This is, the headline is, man accused of trying to break into the FBI office, like right after this whole FBI conversation, weird, is killed in standoff. What a surprise. Now it says, law enforcement officers shot and killed a man who they say tried to break into the FBI's Cincinnati office. Well, I guess we'll never know for sure because they killed him, right? I don't know why we trust what the FBI has to say about anything as how many times they've been caught. And even the New York Times has written articles about how they have dishonestly set things up so they could stop them. This is not a trustworthy entity. All sides can see that right now, which that's the funny part of what I said a moment ago is like 10 seconds ago, the Democrats were screaming how these people were bad. And then all of a sudden now they're defending the FBI. It's, It's just such obvious team smart politics, but it says two law enforcement officials familiar with the matter said they were looking into whether the man 
who his name is Ricky Schiffer, apparently, and I'll show you his account and stuff next, whom they identified as Ricky Schiffer, had ties to extremist groups, including one that participated in January 6th attack on the Capitol. Extremist groups? Why? Because they label them as such? You mean like the Proud Boys? They're not an extremist group. Like this, it's, it, this is the kind of insulting, they just decide to change the narrative, right? Let's just therefore make anything this red hat is terrorism. Therefore now, because he's that, he's a terrorist. So then they go forward saying that terrorist group that he's involved with, and all they're pointing at is people that wear red hats. Like it's as stupid as that. The Proud Boys are not an extremist group. They're, I mean, the idea that they're talking about them as a white supremacist group that literally has a leader that is a black man or has all sorts of other people, ethnicities. I mean, it's that stupid. It's like say, it's the vanilla ISIS argument. It's so dumb. It makes my teeth hurt. But the point is, they just decide to start finding out whether or not he's connected to this. Why would that make sense? Because the idea is they're setting the narrative that this happens because of the actions that Trump is, what Trump is saying, and the Republicans attacking the FBI, and this created the situation that drove him to attack the FBI. Or how about the fact that the FBI has been attacking freedoms their entire existence, or the fact that maybe the FBI set up his son for some kind of an attack? And, you know, there's a thousand reasons why somebody might do this, but when they take action to investigate specifically these things, that's confirmation bias. That's looking for what you want to find. And then, of course, what do you know? They find that he's a conservative, that he's supported what happened, and therefore he's a MAGA terrorist. That's the term you're seeing across the Twitter sphere right now, a MAGA terrorist. Because anyone, of course, is MAGA is a terrorist. I'm not even making this up. That's what they're saying. If you're a MAGA or whatever, wearing a red hat, if you support Trump, you're a terrorist. That's as dumb as this has gotten. Right, somebody's saying, got a lot of toothaches lately. You're right, because there's a lot of stupid stuff happening. But it says the day after former President Trump, his private residence in Florida was searched by the FBI, someone with an account bearing Mr. Schiffer's name posted messages on Mr. Trump's social media platform. Right. So, again, because it's on that platform, Trump's connected. Right. How about this? How about when we discuss the, the January 6th or even before that? Any of these discussions where they focus on Parler, focus on Gab, you can find exactly the same posts on Twitter every single time. But they only focus on Parler, only focus on Gab, because it's about setting a narrative. And just like this, Truth Social, well, guess what, guys? You could find all the same stuff on Twitter, which, by the way, they're not short on pointing out. Okay, so then why, is it, why does it make sense, then, to point out that he did it on Truth Social? Does it make it any more relevant? If it's on both the platforms, there's nothing unique about it being on one versus the other. Well, obviously, you see why. Because they want to say that on Trump's platform, recommending that, quote, patriots go to Florida to kill federal agents. On Thursday, the same account also appeared to confess to an attack on the FBI. I'll show you what they're saying there. Now, now that this person is dead, how do we even know this wasn't an FBI agent? How do we know? Now, this is where people go, oh, conspiracy theory. Why would you recoil from that when that has happened before? I'm not saying I believe that. I'm saying, what if it was? Because it has, there is precedent for that. So what if this guy was an FBI agent? What if he did, what if this was the only one person that thought this way? It doesn't matter because because he's on that platform and because he says positive things about Trump, therefore, this is what his movement is. I don't think even Democrats buy this stuff. I mean, this is really flimsy. This is everything they point out when anybody else makes arguments. But it says the attack in, in Ohio came three days after agents served a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. It's a three days later. That's not even, you know, there's, this is grasping. When Mr. Trump's bench, uh, beachfront home and club, a day after the FBI director told reporters that online threats against federal law enforcement were deplorable and dangerous. Right. A day after. 
Right. Don't you think that's strange? So the FBI director stands up and says, online threats against us are dangerous. And this guy stands up and goes, the FBI is threatened. <laughs> okay. That's a little one after the other, a little on the nose, right? And why would he stand up and scream? We're going to kill FBI agents. That seems a little stupid, especially since everything else we're going to point out on his account doesn't seem to be even remotely in that direction, or, th- or at least saying it that openly. Seems a little bit hard to believe. And especially since the idea that we're saying, so threats against that, well, not threats, but I think there's an important here that gets into the idea of, you know, disparaging the FBI. That's oh, right there. I'll, I'll read it in a second. The attack came during a week when many Republicans had criticized the FBI for searching Trump's home. Okay, so what does that mean? So you're telling me that if Biden's home was see, was was raided, that the Democrats wouldn't have been calling it out for it? Yes, and then if some anything happened after that, they'd say, well, it's their fault. No, they wouldn't do that. The Republicans probably would, but it's just, that's the point, though. It's a two-party paradigm, making flimsy, unprovable points because it just goes along with what they want. The point is, that just because Republicans stood up and criticized them for an obviously ridiculous action, then this person takes action, does not mean there's any connection there. It could, but you should damn well prove that. But they don't ever care to do that. But it says, with some, calling it a dangerous weaponization of the Justice Department. Well, that's what it is. You are politically using things that should be sacred. Laws, for example, are not things they care about from either side. But we pretend they are. Some figures on the right also issued border calls, broader, excuse me, broader calls for violence and civil war. Now, here's an interesting point. This is what they're actually referencing right here is things like this. And this is, it's just so insulting to us. This is louder with Crowder. And this is somebody who points this out under the tweet. I'm going to show you next saying people like Crowder literally called for this action. No, he didn't. He did not stand up and say, go attack and shoot at police agents or FBI. That's them being stupid enough to say because he had a title that said this means war, which is a very broad, generalized statement, which means how about it means political action? How about it means when we say this means war? That just simply means about rallying the call and bringing people together. Like today, it rarely means war unless you're the U.S. government. So to act to act like when you actually listen to his discussion, he's not calling for violence. He's simply acting and he's right to argue this is a big overstep. But you could argue that his at his discussion could ra- could ra- uh, rile people up to then maybe make their own decisions to take action. But is that his fault? Aren't they discerning human beings that can make their own choices? Apparently not in the Great Reset world where everybody's tied together, but it's insulting. I'm not, I mean, look, I'm he's wildly partisan. I, 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 I'm not a fan of most of partisan media, but I will defend his right to say that. Or even how about this, guys? Defend his right to stand up and say this is war against the Democrat Party or whatever. Unless he, if, unless he physical or verbatim said, take action violently or go attack them, you cannot argue that he made this happen. But this is the stupid, dumbed-down argument we get from the party paradigm from all sides. But he says, they're just sickening this guy died because he listened to right-wing media. Is that why? I really think that we should all post who called for this. This is the beginnings of creating, they're going to start calling them out, creating this whole post and an argument that these media personalities need to be taken down, maybe even arrested because they're violent extremists. That's the that's where this is going. And that is really alarming. Look at what's happening with Alex Jones. By the way, I had a great interview with Spiro that's going to be coming out on Monday where we get into all of that, about what's happening with Alex and how it's obviously an attack on independent media, whether or not you agree with Alex Jones. This is the same thing. Now, and we'll see, you can read this. He says, the FBI raided Trump. They're coming after you next. Now, I mean, I don't disagree with that. And I don't even think, I don't even take that as a partisan point, even though that's what he means. 
They're coming after you, all of you, including the left, including the right, because that's what this is really about. But coming back to this, it says unfounded attacks on the integrity of the FBI erode respect for the rule of law. Oh, the rule of law. You mean the rule of law that you guys actively ignore everywhere, including foreign policy as the U.S. government or inside this country as the FBI or even outside this country as the FBI, which is not supposed to happen. I mean, everywhere, guys. They erode the idea that they it's it's up to you. You have to follow the law, but they don't. Or how about just simply the idea that unfounded attacks on their integrity? First of all, what integrity? But the idea that you don't have a right to stand up and say they don't that, that they're corrupt? That's called free speech, guys. But no, 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 you can't do that today because it erodes the respect for the for their forced respect that they don't deserve. It's the same idea as saying you can't speak out against the government because that creates negative actions in foreign policy, or you can't speak out against the injection that's hurting people because that creates vaccine hesitancy. Is this is the same consistent deceptive argument? You're not allowed to say what you think because that creates other people's dangerous actions. This is dangerous speech, guys. And guess what? They have a right to say it, but you have a right to do it too. And what they're trying to do is attack your right to speak back or to speak your mind. As it says, Mr. Mr. Schiffer was not charged with any crimes in connection with January 6th attack. Yet right now, weirdly enough, they're all screaming he's a January 6th insurrectionist. Right, because the narrative is all that matters to them right now. He is this because we said so. It doesn't matter where the facts are to either side. But here is what this person, what they're arguing this person is. The New York Times, shocking, New York Times, weird, they're on top of it, has identified the Ohio shooting suspect as Ricky Schiffer. There's a Truth Social account. Oh, by the way, there's also a Twitter account, but I guess we just leave that part out in your due diligence, right? Is using that same name. On the same day, the FBI executed a warrant on Mar-a-Lago. By the way, just in case you don't know, think I'm wrong, there's his account. They've already banned it, probably because they want it to not look like he's there, only on Truth Social. But he says, on the same day the FBI executed a warrant, the account made a call to be ready for combat and to kill the FBI on site. Now, let's just pers- per- let's take for a moment the idea that maybe he is a real person, maybe he is somebody who wasn't being influenced by the FBI or whatever else. This is my point from before. It's logically, it makes sense. It's possible. This could be a person who's being manipulated by the Q PSYOP, who I maintain, guys, is a government manipulation. I mean, we need to see that by now. So the point is, if you, that you could see how that would connect. So you have the government over here driving them back to that meme saying, do something to take action, hyping the idea that we need to be ready for war because this is a, a fight, an attack on our freedoms, which it is. But the idea that we need to go to the point of like civil war, which is exactly what they're arguing is going to happen, right? That's what they're saying. It's coming toward insurrection. It's, it's, it's a, it's very obvious how this is being manufactured. Then you've got someone like this, maybe possibly getting manipulated by that government manipulation and standing up and at the very least saying, kill the FBI. And then they turn right around and go, see, there he is. That's the guy. That's what they all believe. And it's not even true. It says people in his tweet here, people, this is it. And by the way, I've seen a lot of Republicans acting like that. Like, this is it. That's it. It's time to take, you know, take up arms or whatever else. I hope a call to arms comes from someone better qualified. But if not, this is your call to arms for me. Leave work tomorrow as soon as the gun shop, Army, Navy store, pawn shop opens. Get whatever you need to be ready for combat. We must not tolerate this one. They have been conditioning us to accept tyranny and think we can't do anything for two years. 
This time we must respond with force. If you know any protests or attacks, please post here. Okay, this guy, this is the Ray Epps manipulation. This is the Ray Epps situation from January 6th where he's saying, we need to go in the Capitol and everyone's going, fed, no, bad, but it happened anyway. That's what I think. Whether he's a real person or not, this is about leading others in the wrong direction. Because what do you think is going to happen, guys? Do you really believe that the people are going to lead a revolution on the, the nuclear armed government? I mean, it just seems absurdly ridiculous. Now, I'm not arguing that we don't need drastic change, in, in, even to the point to where we need different people in control. I, 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 I argue no government at all, personally, but I know people can't even wrap their minds around that today. But the bottom line is, yes, they are not the people that need to be there. They do, they do not care about you. But the idea of acting like we need to march on the cab, they will shoot you down if necessary and then simply create the narrative however they want. How many times do we need to see this? They're going to call you the white supremacist, insurrectionist, and they're going to set, they did that with January 6th, even though they didn't have anything. This is, the, this is we, we're being set up. Or somebody's saying I'm a, a Trump shill. <laughs> Yeah, somebody who has two less than two brain cells to rub together that can't listen when I'm openly saying that I'm not. But the bottom line is my historical discussions have been very clear on that. I mean, gosh darn it, if you think Trump is honest, then you're not paying attention. But are you proposing terrorism, this guy says? And he goes, very important question. No, I'm proposing war. Be ready to kill the enemy. Not mass shootings where leftists go. Not lighting buses on fire with transsexuals in them. Not finding people with leftist signs in their yards and beating them up. Violence is not all terrorism. Kill the FBI on site, it says. Like, why would anybody actually write that on a, tra- on a platform where they know it's going to be reported and they will come after you? Just saying that, even if this didn't happen, would have gotten him arrested. And we, I, we all know that. So I don't take that. I believe this is manipulated. My opinion. But it says, then be ready to take down other active enemies of the peoples and those who try to prevent you from doing it. Now, it's, it's stand, there's an argument that needs to be pointed out here, a statement about the idea that we have to remember, as, as taboo and controversial as it may be, and especially now to point this out, that the Constitution of this country has a very clear statement about when, when, they are, when the government acts to, contradicting its own ends its own stated purposes. As the American people, we have a right to alter or abolish it. That is a statement that's always been maintained. And the idea being that if we truly believe this was happening, now I just argue that violence is not the right action, but altering or abolishing it is. You see my point? But the problem is that even stating that, they'll call me an extremist. That we're going to take down the government. Well, okay, if we believe in the Constitution as our founding document, you can't then pick parts you like and those you don't. That's ridiculous. But, here we are. And the problem, the problem is these people are, are, I believe, quite strongly being driven into this. Now, here are a bunch of the tweets that are being pointed at by people that are claiming this guy's a MAGA terrorist. Now, if you, I mean, look through these guys. 99% of this is just benign political talking points. You voted for Donald Trump in 2020. I want to follow you. And then Ricky said, I did. And this is apparently the guy right here. Things like, what does it, what is the, uh, where's what's there's something more specific where he's posting it? <clears throat> it says they look like soy boys and delusional fat middle-aged white people. That's why people in your picture don't look inbred hillbillies. The one thing that said F Trump was a fat middle white. Okay. So he's state. I mean, like what about this even remotely suggest MAGA terrorist other than this one tweet or one engagement that says things like this. Do we know that his account wasn't taken over? Do we know that he wasn't manipulated or, or that's why he was running? Because, I mean, there's a thousand other possibilities and now we'll never know because he's no longer there. 
I'm saying random conspir- uh, uh, conspiracy with no proof are not the way to go. And trust D'Souza and conservative grief about anything is not smart play, but that's just common sense. Ricky says, what constitutes proof? We have testimony recordings. I know because I was there, but what would you admit as proof? That's their argument about January 6th. Now, just because he says that doesn't make it true. Is there evidence that he was there? Do they have any video? Have they charged him with a crime? Like facts matter, guys, but everything is nothing. They will run with what they want to be the narrative. But it says if the entirety of your knowledge of January 6th is this one video and ignoring the thousands of other videos of violence and aggression, then I guess your opinion makes sense. He goes, are you really playing that card? Condemn Antifa and BML if you, if you mean it, right? That's a fair point. Do we? So you, you are okay with violent tactics when it's something you believe in, but not, you know, it, it's all hypocritical. And the bottom line is, 99% of what happened at the Capitol was not violent. That's simply the reality. You can see most people milling around, surrounding us, but they want to make it about the ones that were, nobody died there, even the, other than the one that got shot by them, on, on, on. But the point is, guys, I don't see where these things are at equaling what they're saying. Now, maybe there's more than I'm missing, but you can't tell now. Why? Because they deleted the account. Shocking. And it says, I know they are trying 1984, but I feel that 2016 vibes. Congressional, Congressional, Congresswoman Green, they got away with fixing elections in plain sight. It's over. The next step is the one. Right. So he, he's pointing out things that they say are talking points of people that believe in the conservative movement, but therefore are terrorists, like de- election deniers and so on. But I don't see any violence here. I don't see any calls to violence other than that one other tweet over there. Am I wrong? This just they, they just don't like the political talking points. Anyway, they're, they're, there's probably more out there, guys, but the, that they'll only be used when they want to and so on. But the point is, this I'm, I'm not buying this. Not, not to say that there wasn't a person and didn't get shot. There's more to this story. At the very least, that he was coerced or, or, or coaxed into doing this by dishonest entities in things like cute chat boards and so on. But here is Ricky Schiffer in the kind of top search. I hope it doesn't update. I want to show you these ones. It says, breaking in a six-hour gunfight, police have killed the terrorist. Right. As apparently they know this already, who attacked the FBI in Cincinnati. Now, just because you attack the FBI doesn't make you a terrorist. But that's just that's just easy because they want to go in the direction of white supremacist conservative terrorists. His name is Ricky Walter Schiffer. He's a MAGA Trumper and he was a January 6th insurrectionist. It's just so stupid. But it says his name was Ricky Walter Schiffer and he was president of the Capitol on January 6th. Just learned minutes ago that the suspect has died as a result of his injuries. Yeah, just saying he died. This one says breaking. The MAGA terrorist killed by law enforcement after attacking the FBI headquarters was, in fact, the Capitol. It says, and also posted on Truth Social that Trump supporters should kill an FBI on site. Right, like these screenshots we have, right? I mean, I can't even, like, if so, I, I'm not saying it's not there. It, it, it most live probably is, but all I can find is screenshots. You know, what's the timing on that? Was he already on the the bottom line is there's a lot that needs to be discussed here. And everyone just wants to take the narrative as they see fit already. And on top of that, how do we know he was a January 6th? Like, I want to know how that's proven because I'm not seeing that anywhere. But my point is, because this has already been censored and controlled, there's, there's if there is, send it to me and I'll talk about it next. But this is very alarming the way this is already building forward. Then we've got this kind of video discussion how this is where it is already going and as bob barberton points out that we just had a discussion about this on am wake up about how this was going to be the the the, the way this was going to happen and here and now we see it playing out just like we expected 
it's, it's really incredible how often we are light years ahead of these conversations. Like, I think it's hilarious to, to not pull my shoulder, but pat myself on the back. The point is that we have talked about so many of these topics so far ahead of where they become the big topic that people even forget that we were talking about it. You know how long ago we were pushing the idea or discussing the idea of the January 6th PSYOP and Ukraine and the white supremacy, vanilla ISIS. Now it's going to become much more relevant and the people are going to start talking. And the point is, it's frustrating. Now to rehash everything we already talked about because apparently we're so censored in the ground that people can't even see our previous work. But this guy points out, Patriot Front, false flag coming soon. They will blame Donald Trump for the incident. Now, we don't know that for sure. But think about the possibility, right? You've got people like this that I don't believe are, are, are I, I do for sure, in my opinion, believe this is not what you think it is or what they think it is. This is not a conservative thing. At the very least, these people, as I already showed you, are tied back to the same entities like the Rise Above movement that are directly tied back to the Azov movement. They are the U.S. arm of the Azov movement in Ukraine. How do you make sense of that? The group that they use as the impetus for the Charlottesville discussion, the white supremacy and all of it. The reason that makes sense is because the CIA has been building that in Ukraine this entire time, and they outsource this to the U.S., and I believe it's meant to create exactly what you're seeing happen now. I've been, attack- I've been attacking this for a long time now. The point is, these guys are not genuine, in my opinion, based on the data. So what's going to happen is, if he's right, they'll trot these people out to carry out some kind of an attack. They'll then blame Trump, and there you go. Nice little bow. Even though there's no obvious proof that it was connected, they'll just say it anyway, like they already are. And let's play this video because it's really interesting to see how quickly this narrative spins around, even when you don't know what's actually happening. And that happens all the time, guys. It really, I mean, it's just nonstop. ABC News, there's been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums. Sources say there's been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums. Sources also telling ABC News there's been a strong reaction from some extreme groups online, including QAnon and other groups. There has been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums, including those that were active before January 6th. Including those that were active prior to January 6th. Including those that were active prior to January 6th. Involved in the January 6th insurrections. Including those that were active prior to the January 6th riot. Some have been calling for violence and even a civil war. Some of them include calls for violence and even a civil war. Some of them include calls for violence in online forums and even civil war. This was the top comment on the search on the pro-Trump site, The Donald, last night. Quote, lock and load with references to a civil war. Talking very violently about... The Donald, by the way, even according to conservatives, has been something that's been completely manipulated for a long time now. Like, do you not see what's happening? Guys, if you can't see by now that QAnon was literally made to be this, I, I, that's obviously my opinion. But my God, if you can't connect these pieces, I can't believe people are still falling for this. It's, if this is being set up, I believe that strongly. But as I said the other day, just because I believe it even strongly does not mean it's true. So please come to your own conclusions. Civil war searches for civil war spikes. They're talking about civil war. Civil. Think about how stupid that is. Yeah, searches spike because you guys have been screaming about civil war coming for the last six months. I wonder why they spiked, guys. I mean, how stupid is that? That's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. War. Civil war. Civil war. Civil war. Civil war. This is the kind of violence. Now, you know what you know what this reminds me of, as you probably remember? 
Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso, Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible. One-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news, news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media God, I mean, that's that's almost scary today, isn't it? Like that that is is so transparent. I mean, and they act like they're I mean, what they are literally saying is what they just did parroting and saying the same thing without checking facts first that's exactly because they were told to do it i mean it's just that crazy and so this is the point guys they're now pushing the same idea this is where it's going i really hope people are hearing this warning please read this article the patriot front january 6th and the vanilla isis psyop it is building right now rapidly now read this one as well if you want to understand how and it goes long before this by the way but this is one where i kind of pulled it together january 6th the failed false flag meant to blame russia and you using the CIA-grown Azov movement, which is what it is. Now, these are the last two articles on this point. This one from March 8th. They are preparing for a war. An expert on civil wars discusses where political extremists are taking this country. Of course, the expert on civil wars is Barbara Walters. The point is they've been pushing this since March, and we're going to wonder why we're spiking on civil war. It's so insulting how these, and again, my, again, guys, you know, you know, some of them are aware of how dumb that is and do it anyway. I argue most of them are too dumb to see it. That's why they use them. But here is Business Insider from July 11th, just simply reiterating that old March article. That's what this is. Experts on civil wars says, expert on civil wars says the U.S. is heading towards insurgency. It's very interesting that that word is used, especially drawing up the insurrection or the, 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 in espionage act and all of this like the idea of an insurgency is very interesting because that's kind of different than a civil war we're talking about people usually that's reserved for people that are in occupied territory that are fighting back right from within that's what that ultimately means so isn't it interesting that the way that they're using that is meant to be the other way around but we're talking it's almost like you're giving them you're giving them what they want you're damn right we're in insurgency because you're foreign powers and you're occupying your territory. It's un-American. It's, I see this building very clearly. <clears throat> but what they say, I think there's a couple points in here. Barbara F. Walter, a political science professor, spoke to Washington Post earlier this year. So they're just, they're just rehashing the same thing they put up earlier, right? Why? Because they want to make sure you don't forget it. Uh, about the perilous state of American democracy, right? The democracy that we've never had, right? The even even supposed to be a rep, a, a, a democratic republic or constitutional republic, and that's long since been the reality, right? But let's pretend we have that just for the argument. In a fair, far-ranging interview that trended on social media this week, 
It says, watching what happened to the Republican Party really was the biggest surprise that, wow, we're doubling down on this almost white supremacy strategy. Like, guys, it's just so insulting to your intelligence to argue that what they're doing is even remotely white supremacist. It, you, you can try and argue that people that support him might have that ideology, but to argue that the Republican Party or anything they ever said was even flirting with the idea of white supremacy is just so stupid. It's not true. And it's, it's just and I, I, that doesn't mean that they might not secretly be that. But you have to be honest about this stuff because it's just that stupid. They're obviously using this to tie together anything Republican as just like white supremacy light. Like they're just about there. And it kills me. The U.S. isn't headed towards a North versus South war with countrymen fighting one another in the fields. Instead, the country's at risk of insurgency, a form of civil war, according to, according to Walter. That's the idea. They're trying to frame this as exactly what they believe they're in. Please see what's coming, guys. Don't take the bait. Now, to shift over into the eating crow of the CDC and the discussion of the <laughs> pandemic of the injected. I mean, really, that's what this ultimately comes down to, guys. The pandemic of the injected has never been more clear. I mean, really, genuinely never been more clear than I've ever seen anything at this point. And the data backs it up. Now, here's what the CDC, rather NPR, just put out. This update or the update isn't a huge overhaul, <laughs> it's a lie, of existing guidance, but it does represent an increasing focus on individuals making their own decisions. Oh, you mean like what we believe this country always was? Right. You don't, you don't get to give that back. It was never your right to take away decisions from people about their level of risk and how they want to mitigate that risk. So what changed, guys? Before I even read what the, C the CDC guidance changes are, they're really pretending like something yesterday just shifted. And now they go, well, now it's your right to make your own decisions about how risky this is. Weren't they the ones just screaming that this was a forever thing, screaming that we we're gonna, the risk was too big and the risks outweigh, the, the benefits outweigh, all this stuff. But then just suddenly argue, wait a minute, now you can make your own choice. What does that mean? Does it mean the risk is no longer large enough that we have to collectively choose the right path? Bottom line is, this is them on a dime shifting away from what they just moments ago were saying was what you had to do. Otherwise, you were going to kill everybody. And right now, there are other countries that, were, that are still following that lead because they're steps behind. Forcing the, the mandates, the quarantine, acting like if you don't get this, you can't come in the country. Look at Canada. Okay, well, here's what it says now. New COVID-19 guidance from the CDC focuses on individual decisions. Oh, how, how nice of you. Thank you for letting us make our own choices. My God, it's just, this is insulting. Those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Okay, why? I mean, think about this, guys. Where's the science? Now, I'm not, I'm agreeing. This has always been the reality. Always what we should have been doing. But my point is, like the mask conversation, when they just on a dime go, okay, cloth masks don't work, use these. My point is, what changed? What was their Yes, wasn't there yesterday that's there today that makes you suddenly think everything should be different? The answer is nothing. It's just the decision to just change what they're doing. And that proves to you that it was never based on something valid. If you're no longer supposed to quarantine the people that are in other countries right now being forced to quarantine, like in Canada or anywhere else, why does that make sense? What are, are they using different science? And why are they no longer at risk? Aren't they the ones telling you that people that are unvaccinated are dangerous? And they still are using that, all including in this country? So how do you argue that? They're eating crow, guys. They're letting this out of the bag a little bit without admitting that they're changing the narrative, even by saying, well, it wasn't a huge overhaul. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people? 
Now, in a weird way, that it, what that's ultimately saying is that vaccinated people are are just as much risk as the unvaccinated people. If you have the same guidance, you're both at equal risk, which means the vaccinations they're taking don't do anything for them. In fact, it increases their risk, as we'll show you very clearly yet again for the millionth time in the next discussion. Then it says students can stay in class that are being exposed to the virus. Why does that make sense? If they can stay in class after being exposed, are, based on their previous narrative, aren't they risking all the kids' lives? Well, they're not because the kids are not at risk from this. And they've not, no, most people aren't at risk from this. That's the point. Finally, it says it's no longer required to screen those without symptoms. Oh, okay. So now asymptomatic just doesn't matter anymore? My God, this is stupid. But here's what I said. The update isn't a huge overhaul, NPR stupidly said in a feeble attempt to downplay how they just went from zero, 60 to zero on a dime with no new justification. If they were seconds ago screaming the uninjected were killing people, they weren't, by the way. Now, that's actually confusing the way that speaks. My point was the uninjected weren't killing people. How do you make sense of this? How do you make sense of the turn on a dime? You don't. Whatever reason, they're realizing they lost control and they're rolling it back or they're hoping we take a beat and they swing back later, right? There's, there's a good, this is a good place to play that clip, if I still have it, I believe I do, of the, you know, how they play this game and how they, no, that was hate speech. Here it is. How it gets to the point well, where thing, things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again, right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, "Oh, how'd I get here?" And the answer was, "Well." I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested... It's very obvious to see this is a tactic they use non-stop. And here we are. This is not going away. Like we, let's, let's be very clear about that. They are working on new injections. All it's going to take is a hype about something new, which they're, build, they're quietly building all over the place. This new thing over here, this new thing. No pigs over here, the CDC says, are dangerous now all of a sudden, right? Since I bring that up, the point was, uh, where was that? Basically, what they're saying now, uh, they confirm the first human infection of 2022 with a flu virus that usually spreads in pigs. Oh, no. Oh, no, the swine flu illusion, just like they've done more than once. Like, literally, verifiably, even according to the WHO, used to spread fear based on nothing that was real. Pandemics of fear, as even the WHO called out, even this, the this HHS, the BMJ, on the swine flu illusion. That was when they first changed definitions to meet these arguments. This is not new. The point is that they're hyping them just to get them on the table. Even monkeypox, which we'll get into as I call the litmus test. I don't see how anybody thinks that makes sense right now. That is even more ridiculous than COVID-19 if that's even possible. But it's there. And all they got to do is turn up the knob a little bit and everything kicks back into gear. And my guess is they're going to wait for people to get comfortable again. But this is insulting. All the people that lost their jobs, that went, they got forced to take dangerous injections they don't need, everything. The coercion, the attacks, the disparaging, I mean, everything. And all they just do is just on a dime, just go, no longer. It should make you outraged. Now, as this person points out, and this is the really important point, and this is what I usually point out in... Even like like arguments about how people pass bills say you can't have passports, vaccine passports, but then they let businesses do it anyway. 
Well, that's kind of a sidestep because the business, we're always going to do it. As Xavier points out, my job will still require a mask. So I don't think it matters. And he's right. Right. If he's why are we allowing his job to do that? It's because the COVID-19 manipulation and, and psychological psychosis has allowed them to think that's somehow justified. Remember, there's supposed to be some kind of a justification. The idea being you can't ever force a non-pharmaceutical intervention or a pharmaceutical intervention on somebody against their will. But here we are. Even though they now roll this stuff back, even though the mandates aren't there, this person is going to decide at their job that this people, the, I think it's right, so I'm going to do it. And those are the same people saying trust the science as the people in the scientific field are saying no longer need to do it. Think about how that makes sense. Yeah, they really trust the science. They're not even actually doing that. They're not in, in either regard. They're ignoring the science and now they're even ignoring the people they tell them the science. It's so stupid. But that's the point. Is it's going to happen anyway. Now, this is the alternative. Here are people, as this person as this, it translates to say, the newly elected president of Costa Rica eliminates the mandatory nature of vaccinations and adds, quote, as of today, any action taken against anyone who refuses to be vaccinated is against the law. Think about it quickly. That's shifted. This person steps in and goes, end it right now. Nobody else can be persecuted for not taking this choice. Thank God there are people out there standing up for you. At least it appears to be. And the reality is while that's happening, you are still watching injections being forced on kids, even as the CDC rolls back their narrative. That's what doesn't make sense to me. Make sense of this. As that's happening, here's what we see. And this person writes out a tale of two governments. On the very same day, Denmark announced COVID vaccines would no longer be allowed, not mandated, but not allowed for those under 18 as risks outweigh the benefits because that's the truth. In fact, they do for everybody, but we'll see how quickly they get there. The CDC at the same day re-ups its urgent advice to vaccinate everyone from six months old up even if they just had COVID. You know, ignoring for the fact that they've admitted now multiple times that the inject the natural immunity is far better than the injections. On top of that, that there's been multiple peer-reviewed studies that have found that if you have natural immunity or if you've previously been ill and you take these injections, it can actually increase your risk. Well, the truth is they do anyway, but the point is that having that conflicting is a problem. Then you can realize you're giving them something that creates antibodies, if that's even what's happening in regard to what's really there, that is not appropriate. That's not currently circulating, even from within their own narrative, which creates antibody-dependent enhancement. If you're not creating the right antibodies, it's not safe. And that is what we've always known. According to Fauci, according to literally anybody that was spoke on this beforehand, but yet somehow we don't acknowledge that reality right this moment. I mean, there's so many inconsistencies like this that we need to realize. There's so many of them. Now, this is where it gets alarming to me, is that this is the CDC's post as of June 29th. Yes, children six months and older should get vaccinated against COVID, even if they've already been COVID. That's the point he was referencing. Getting vaccinated after having COVID provides added protection against their immune system. No, it does not. In fact, it reduces their immune system function, which we'll show you now and will continue to show or oh, next segment, I mean, which is the valid reality. But what we're seeing happen to children are things like this. This is one example, but it is everywhere. And these ideas of the unexplainable deaths or the SIDS conversation, right? Sudden infant death syndrome or sudden adult death syndrome, which by the way is weirdly under 40 and mostly children, is the reality that they've just, I mean, they've admitted this before, but it's simply a catch-all. That's their definition. It is a category of things we can't explain. So you have a bunch of sudden, uh, sudden deaths that we don't know what happened. 
And yet they're acting like that's a designation itself. Oh, that's SADS. You got diagnosed with SADS. No, there's no diagnosis. That means the absence of diagnosis. And what is the most common situation where you have a problem like that but have no clear causal example of cause? Vaccine-induced problems. That's what plenty of medical examiners have said before this, but now won't speak out because they're afraid of losing their jobs. Here's what she says. I transported a 10-year-old child having a heart attack. I had to argue 30 minutes with the doctor. I had to force his hand to have an ECG that clearly shows a myocardial infraction due to the COVID-19 vaccine. These are medical professionals fighting to speak up. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, uh, well, I thought, oh, wait. Hmm. Dang it, that frustrates me. I, I, I've been really doing, I've been really trying to make sure I don't miss these these days so I don't have to do this each time. Give me one second. That's frustrating. <laughs> it's like, I'm good. I've got it all. But this, I, I, we've actually spe- seen her speak before while I'm grabbing this. She, she has spoken up in regard, in these same kind of settings and spoken about what she's seeing and what's really happening. So here it is. But I can tell you that two days ago, I, f- I flew out my first 10-year-old with a heart attack, and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like, 10-year-olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG. Isn't it funny how much that's changed, right? So, th- but this, and th- so they're saying then, oh, well, they don't have heart attacks. Now it's apparently, yeah, they always have heart attacks. It's totally common. Kids, kids have heart attacks. It happens all the time. No, it doesn't. In fact, this is the most unnerving situation in all of this, that they're normalizing the idea of child heart problems. I mean, talk about the sickening reality. Well, the same people that wanted to use them as a shield to protect themselves, that one guess doesn't really surprise you, does it? To find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST-elevated myocardial infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12-lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate. Because as you've seen, there is victim shaming that it does. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed. So it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome when in actuality it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Whereas I tell people you are better off in South America in a field hospital than you are in level one trauma designer hospitals in the United States. As nurses, we are getting reports across the country from our American frontline nurses about patients not getting food, patients not getting water, How come a patient hasn't been fed in nine days? Why do I need to get a court order to force a hospital to feed a person who isn't intubated and who's literally telling you they would like food? Oh, well, you can't take your BiPAP mask off. Well, that's what us nurses are for. We're going to help you take that off and we're going to help you eat, but we're not allowed to. If you know if they're on a ventilator, they're not getting basic standards of care. I've had patients that haven't been bathed, haven't been fed, haven't been given water, haven't been turned. My God. And if you ask me, this isn't a hospital. This is a concentration camp. That's right. Absolutely it is. <laughs> Nowhere in the United States do we isolate people for hundreds of hours at a time with no human contact. It's not even allowed in the prisons. 
You are not allowed to isolate a prisoner for beyond a certain extensive amount of time because it is, again, it is horrible for their mental health and is considered inhumane. Yeah, and that's a that's an important fact to remember that they, there's like international law against it's, it's called torture if you do this in other contexts, but it's okay for quarantine for COVID nineteen, right? Think about how crazy that is. But the bottom line is that this is what these are. Situ- not, none of this is justified at all, even then or now. And yet now here we are where they're shifting the narrative to say, oh well, no, you don't have to do that anymore, right? Right after forcing people into situations that like destroyed them and their lives and their jobs and everything else, and just on a dime going, okay, you're good now. Well, it's too late. It's too late. You already made these actions. You already put people in these positions and you need to be held accountable for them. Now, here is another example of another student dying at the football practice, a young kid. Now, do we know for sure the cause of the fact? No, we don't. But the bottom line is every day we see more of this and every day we ignore it as, well, you don't know for sure. Put it in the SIDS category. Put it in the category of the unknown deaths and the largest cause. We don't understand. We're baffled. It is so far above the amount that we would see, regardless of what causes it, in any given year. And yet we can't acknowledge that. Their argument from the beginning was, no, it's okay. The myocarditis problem is not more than we'd see in the normal situation. Like, they're aware of that, of that comparison. You know it. So when it comes on the other side of it, and we have enough kids or athletes or any one of these categories who have died suddenly on the field or off, way more than you would have seen in any given year, according to multiple studies, both FIFA and NIH, and yet we can't acknowledge the problem because we're so afraid of vaccine hesitancy. I mean, this is gross. We're at a point where we are watching children die and we can't even step up and say something about it. Here's another example. In the, in the UK, ambulance calls for most serious conditions hit record. Weird. And guess what? We're baffled. We're baffled. We can't figure out why. Last month saw the highest number of ambulance callouts for life-threatening conditions, according to the, NI, NA, the NHS. There were more than 85,000 Category 1 calls for, guess what, guys? Situations like cardiac arrest and people stopping breathing. Weird. It's almost like we've seen that happening everywhere, right? I can't even believe how willfully ignorant these people are being. And guess what they say? Well, the heat wave could have been one reason. Oh, you mean that two-day, not real heat wave that was a little bit, you know, just above normal, like for two days and the entire, I mean, guys, that is incredible and clear that the guy, the idea of the heat wave was meant to be a big talking point. It was not real. I showed you that. There was days where it was hot. There was days in specific areas that were record-breaking, but the idea that anywhere and that all of England had a month-long heat wave is simply an illusion. And the idea that you have 85,000 calls throughout the whole month or more than normal, that that is because of a two-day heat wave, is just insulting to your intelligence. The number is up 33% on the previous month, and the highest since records began in 2010. Man, it's just incredible. And then there's, the next point, I believe, is uh, Dr. Cra- uh, Claire Craig making the point about the graph that was in that article. All the data points to things going very wrong from spring 2021. Never mind us. What was, what was happening in spring 2021? Right? We saw the beginning of the injection, was like the beginning of 2020 or 2021, or the right end of 2020. So you would argue that it's pretty correlated to point out the rise of the problem alongside the dramatic increase of the injections given to the world. It's just a point to me. Correlation is not causation. And we're always honest enough, honest enough to say that, but my God. The fact that we won't even lo- they won't even look at it shows you what you need to see, in my opinion. Now, here's a video 
that I, if it is, you know, it's, it's a little bit meant, it's kind of like putting comical music around it, but I just thought it was a good quick inclusion. One I haven't played that shows you a lot of these people just collapsing, you know, uh, Remember, and think Tiffany Dover, right in the beginning of all this, when she had the collapsing, no, 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 it was because of this or because of that. And then we've saw an onslaught of people collapsing in front of the camera. Yep, guys, you, you would you really think it was only going to be one, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. But here is a clip of people both in front of the camera, off, collapsing, which it's pretty alarming to see this happen and, and get downplayed. Uh, where was this? Uh, let's see. Yeah, see, that's so frustrating. I know I downloaded this. I think there's, I'm again, I'm still working out the kinks with this computer too. It's weird. It puts it in some weird categories that I haven't seen before. But let me just download this real quick and grab it again. Son of a gun. And we, you've seen a lot of these compilations, but man, some of these are pretty, pretty crazy. Because like this, especially the one you can kind of see on that image right there, like the way that she's collapsing. It's just the way your eyes go all crazy. I mean, it's like these people are clearly struggling some kind of stroke, some kind of really, you know, and, and, and yes, there's very clear connection to what we're talking about with the injection. And here it is. Y aprovechando esto, lo que decíamos muy temprano en la mañana, que no hay casi gente, entonces, por más que no tengan turno, van a poder ser atendidos de manera rápida. Carlos, cualquier novedad volvemos en un ratito. ¿Sí? Perdón, Claudio, perdón, Claudio, perdón, Claudio, perdón. Cerrame. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó? A polícia militar foi chamada na zona rural de Ribeirão Vermelho. Sabe por quê? Oh, é, é... I don't mean to brag, I don't care, but I want you to know, double-vaxxed, booster, flu shot, and, I'm going to be honest, I have the shingle shot too. Never got COVID, clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. So nice, so nice. By the way, that wasn't an act. Like, just the way that video looks, it makes it look like it might have been an act. I, I covered this. She she collapsed, and they let her sit on the stage for like 30 seconds like that because they thought she was playing a bit. She wasn't. She joked about taking those and being fine, and then had like a, a stroke or an attack on, like a, or at least passed out on the stage. Pretty interesting. Jedes Kind is... I don't care if you're Donald Trump. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. I don't care. Think, think about how crazy it is to try to rationalize this, right? To try to make sense of this and make it look like this is normal. That this many people in public positions just collapse in the middle of. I mean, where have we ever seen this before? 
Where have we ever, ever, ever seen this? I mean, we, just in the athlete conversation, like how many times have we seen athletes collapse during games, This even just three times in a week or twice in a week, ever in history? When's the last time any of you ever saw an athlete collapse like that? Most of us haven't. And yet here we are where it's like, no, that's just coincidence and it's normal or we're conspiracy theorists are hyping it. I mean, it's just, this is not just willful ignorance. I mean, this is dangerous to the point to where you are gaslighting people into ignoring the reality that's blatantly right in front of them. It's very sad. Now, here is another video I want to play. And this, this speaks to the idea of the, you know, of the beginning of this changeover, the, 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 uh, hypocrisy, the double standard of the left specifically acting like the, the injections are not safe unless there's full transparency or we'll never take it if Trump says so. And then the moment they took over acting like everything's different, it's ours now. No, it's not. It's the exact same thing. And you guys were saying that it needs to be transparent and then actively made sure everything wasn't transparent. And so based on what you were saying, we shouldn't trust it. We shouldn't take it because it's not transparent. And we know that. And then, of course, it starts with Joy Reid. Horse paste. I just I can't get that clip out of my mind whenever I talk about this. But uh, let's see. I knew I had this in here. <laughs> it's like, damn thought I did. Son of a gun. There it is. You see other anchors on different networks uh, questioning whether vaccines are good or bad for yeah. you. I understand the hesitancy you wanted. I mean, listen, I was hesitant. When Donald Trump was out there controlling the CDC yes. and controlling the FDA and manipulating right. them and making them put out falsehoods, anybody rational right. was hesitant. Do I read you to say you would be hesitant to receive the vaccine if it were approved by the end of the year? I'm going to, yes, I would be hesitant. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. Well, Biden blamed platforms like Facebook for the misinformation. Yeah. Is that, is, do you think he's right? I do, I do. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Is the Biden campaign saying essentially if a vaccine comes out before election day, it shouldn't be trusted? So think about the craziness of him saying it's not likely to go through all the things that need to be done. Well, that happened. That it went to, it, they, you know, and then even after it was being administered, they were going, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to trust that. So nothing changed. They, it still didn't go through the same processes that they were pointing at, but yet suddenly because they're there, oh, it's good now. I mean, this is why I keep arguing. What kind of child-minded person falls for something that stupid? Some of them, there's plenty of them out there, but I just so strongly do not believe that most people are that dumb. I do believe I, I have a much higher opinion of the average intelligence of this country, despite the active efforts to deep like to giving fluoride in your water, which we just discussed the other day, according to multiple peer reviewed science studies show you that, yes, it very clearly does diminish the IQ of especially children in the, in the feet in the fetus or in the in the womb, as well as young children anywhere. I mean, but my point is that despite their efforts to dumb down the population, I don't think people are falling for this. Who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. I'm joined now by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. I don't trust the president, and I don't trust the FDA. Here's a vaccine. It was new. It was done quickly. But trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe. We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. We cannot. 
okay, so why does the logic apply to them, but not, you know, Trump said, but not them, right? So we, we don't get to see that information to make our own informed decision. We have to trust what you tell us it says. Yeah, right? Disgusting double standard. The stupid double standard. Take for granted this process will be free of political influence. Question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. We're not 100% sure of the consequences. And that there is a pressure put on the decision makers here to announce the vaccine in October of 2020. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent. The need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. Only if we knew all of what went into it. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine. All of it went into it? Right? I mean, it's just, it's how insulting, guys. I mean, the fact that we, we, they have actively hidden ingredients. Right? So based on at least four things they've stated, we shouldn't be taking these injections now. I mean, it just can't get any stupider than that seen and they should be what is what is in it for them for their own people to die is one of their sponsors a coffin man <laughs> right so they're going to die if they take the same injection but only when trump's in power when we get in power that same thing then becomes the best life-saving thing ever since you know ever created in life you know it, it's just that dumb now, here's another clip that it's really alarming based on all, you know, that, just a fraction of the information out there showing you the danger, right? <clears throat> Gigi New York City points out, I watched part of the debate for the D10 Congress seat on, on New York, NY1 and caught this lightning round. The invited candidates unanimously agree right now, even with the shifting of information and everything happening, they unanimously agree that all New York kids should be mandated to get the COVID vaccine to go to school. Think about how crazy that is. That's because they at least believe that the narrative is that that should be the case. Not that it's safe or that it's right, but simply that it's, that it's what they're supposed to say. And that's the crazy part about this. So check this clip out. That they're, And it's not just the injections. They're talking about masks and a lot of other things. And that they're happy to push this idea. <clears throat> Man. Apologies. See, I thought I had it all lined up, huh? I keep saying that. There it is. Got too many clips today. That's what it is. I can't find them. So I'm going to ask you yes or no questions. Please just answer yes or no. Ms. New, do you believe the federal government should reinstate any federal mask mandates, for example, on airplanes? Yes. Do you support ongoing mask mandates on public transportation, like subways and buses? Yes. Should the COVID vaccine be required for public school children? Yes. Mr. Jones, same questions. I, it's going to be tough for me to remember all three. So. Do you believe the federal government should reinstate any federal mask mandates, for example, on airplanes? If, if public health officials determine that that's appropriate, then yes. Do you support ongoing mask mandates on public transportation? Yes. And should the COVID vaccine be required for school children? Absolutely. Ms. Simon? Yes, yes, and yes. Wow. Ms. Rivera? Yes to, to all of the above. Ms. Holtzman? Ditto. Mr. Goldman. I'm not a public health expert. I would follow the public health experts, but I do believe that every uh, every child in, in school should be vaccinated. We have to follow the science. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, God, it's just a clown world, guys. How flipping stupid is that? Trust the science. I mean, that what's crazy about it is the science 
even according, even as we watch their narrative flip around, is that the it does not add up to this. The injection, they're not in danger as everybody, anyone, I mean, even their own narrative is pointing out. You can't just point at long COVID or anything else that we haven't defined and argue that they need this. They're not in danger. There's only been, even with their manipulated, falsified numbers, they argue 500 kids. That's it from the entire thing that's happened that they claim have died. Almost all of those have been shown to not be real or had a broken leg, got a PCR test, left, never got sick, but they called it a case, or rather the death being they left, got in a car accident, and they called that a COVID death. Or went in with a severe case of something else, got a PCR test as they were dying, and they told they had COVID. We've proven this to you, both hospitalizations and deaths. Even if it was actually 500, we're arguing that 500 kids out of the entire time are justifiably is a, is a justifiable reason to give them an injection that increases their myocarditis risk dramatically, even by their numbers, something like one in 3000 or one in 4000. I mean, my God, a, a situation with myocarditis that increases the risk of mortality by 26 to 56, 25 to 56 percent over the next 10 years. That's that's an NIH study. There is no such thing as a mild case here. You have serious problems with this, but they're just parroting what they think they're supposed to say. And it makes me sick. Masks, forced vaccinations at a time when this stuff has never been more flimsy. It's not going away, guys. And here is the problem, because those people sitting there are all on this side of the table. Okay, and this is insulting because this is not what most people think. And I either argue in their minds think that, oh, the, the masses are too stupid and they don't count. So they only engage with the people that listen to them or their elitist circles, or they don't know any better. In any case, this is them sitting around discussing what's called the Fauci effect with an entire room full of masked people while these two sit there with not masks right next to each other. And they can't realize how dumb they all are with that, even with that right in their face. But on top of that, the idea that he acts like Fauci's statements and constant dishonest lies and manipulations are driving people to trust science and go to school. Or really what it's doing is driving the few that listen to be so blinded by what they think it is to do what he's doing. To go in and blindly follow what their dot, what their school tells them and follow the guidance of the CDC without thinking. Because that's trusting the science and doctors and science. No, that's called being a moron who blindly follows what they're told. I should play that science clip again right now, but I'm, I don't want to take too long on this show. Point being that we don't even understand what science is. We think peer-reviewed science, it's, it's, that is academia as that clip is played many times. But let's listen to what Fauci says, because you guys are going to hate this. I mean, just it really, everyone should hate this. It's called the Fauci effect, which is sort of like, you know, as trust me, I'm, I, I don't get excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but I mean, it's, it's I, I, people go to medical school now, people are interested in science, not because of me, because people, most people don't know me, who I am. My friends know me. My wife knows. You know, the guy who literally said, if he says it, it is science. That's what he said. Talk about hubris. But people don't know me. It's what I symbolize. And what I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths <laughs> and lies Exactly. And just just not from the person you're talking about, Fauci. He and everything he represents, whether he even knows it or not, I believe he does, is what he's pointing at. That is the representation of the normalization of misinformation. Everything we're showing right now and the absolute deconstruction or dissolving of their narrative and watching this stuff explode in their face, watching the boosters play out. I mean, everything about it. The idea that we're on booster number three and the idea that these people are barely even, even the CDC just said you're no different guidance. 
Doesn't that elude? Does that show you right there? You took five shots and you have no different guidance. You're in the same situation. You're getting sick more than anybody, according to all the data. You're in fact spreading it more than anybody, according to all the data. But yeah, we're spreading misinformation by pointing that out. The things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th ah. to everything else that goes on. Oh, weird. That's the one thing he points out. Yeah. What a coincidence from, you know, from January 6th to, you know, everything else. Yeah, that's from what? Is there more examples? No, there was a shoehorning in January 6th to a completely unrelated conversation. Let's pretend like that was a coincidence. And and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, (laughs) people the craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth and for people caring about people. Oh, okay, that's the Fauci effect. So he's arguing people are going to school to do what he does because he set an example. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl. The problem, though, is that's not true. And just again, to look, you know, crowd is all masked and they're not. Why does that make sense? Even based on their narrative. Shouldn't they be wearing masks? Especially since they're sitting two feet from each other. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But the point is, it's not true because this is not what most people think. This is what people who, th- who think that's the majority think. And people who are too, too much of followers to think outside what they're told is what everybody else thinks or told the science thinks. Here is what most people think. <coughs> Excuse me. Alex Bernson points out in deep blue Seattle, a predominantly Democrat area, fans viciously boo Fauci when he goes to throw out the pitch. This, this is what you need to see. If he gets booed in a, dem- a predominantly Democrat city when he goes out to the game, most people see him for what he is. But this is about setting the narrative. So the ones that believe they're in the majority but are in the very fringe minority of people that still believe Fauci, they act like they're right. And they run with that. The narrative is that they are and everyone agrees and you're a dumb one if you don't. But the truth is, guys, you are the majority. How long have I been saying this? I think it's fantastic he got booed. There is a clip of it, but I, I'm not going to waste the time on Fauci. But, you know, he walks out and everyone boos him. It's obvious. Now, going over to the lies they're spinning, and one of them is the immune system conversation, which Fauci has shouted down. I already played this for you. I'll play it again. Here's the embarrassing fact check. And I'll just play the first quick clip. So I'm not going to play the whole thing because all, all the argument amounts to is that our guy says otherwise, therefore not real. That's, that's actually their argument. And this is, by the way, for the podcast, the fact check that vaccines don't lower your immunity. (laughs) Who cares about the scientific studies from Pfizer that literally show that or the other peer-reviewed science that literally shows that or the UK and two multiple countries speaking up and saying we shouldn't do it because guess what? It lowers your immunity. None of that matters because their guy said so. We're two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and there is still misinformation making the rounds on social media. Yeah, tonight, CBS 17 (laughs) digital reporter Jody McCrary is fact-checking claims that look like they were published by the federal government. It looks like they were? You mean, oh, so you mean the the, the study they're going to point at that I'll show you next that literally was posted on The Lancet? That is meant to confuse people. To make it seem like it, like it's the, the point is that if it's posted by the Lancet or on the Lancet, then it's a legitimate study. Like whether or not the government's involved, why does that even matter? The government is not a scientific entity. Like th- that there are, what they're trying to implant in your mind there is if the government's involved, then you should trust it. I mean, that's literally the opposite. 
there's a paper written by a doctor that contains inaccurate information. But no, no, it doesn't. I mean, bottom line, it doesn't because the study is what he's pointing at. And he reads verbatim from the study. Now, the study is not inaccurate. They just don't like what it shows you. And they bring up somebody that argues that he, as the Japanese doctor, is misunderstanding the study. But I've shown you the study. He references the study. The study is included. You can look at it for yourself. The bigger issue is where it showed up on this website. All right, so let's just get past the point of facts. Let's make a subjective argument about why you're confused about whether the government's involved. And then if we make it clear the government's not involved, then we can argue we fact check this and it's false. But wait a minute. We got three points away from what we were talking about. I guess it's all fact check, though, because we trust the government. PubMed.gov. It's run by the National Institutes of Health. Which is where it's The posted. claim from Dr. Kenji Yamamoto has to do with the vaccines. He says eight months after a second dose. No, he doesn't. The study says that, and he's simply reading what the study says. You see, even then, they can't even be honest about the simplest things. Immunity is lower than it is for someone who's unvaccinated and says as a safety measure, further booster vaccinations should be discontinued. Along with a lot of other people saying that. Now, you, if you want to stomach through this guy's argument, and the point is they simply go because he says so, that's not true. But how about we just look at the facts and the data, which is what we always get at, right? That this is what we're talking about, as we already read from you before. This is published on June 5th, adverse effects of COVID vaccines and measures to prevent them. He's posted, it's just referencing a Lancet study that verbatim says, as he writes out, well, he says first they published this study on the effectiveness of vaccines and the waning of immunity, which, by the way, is literally a conversation for everybody. Everywhere is having the waning of the immunity with the injections. That's not the injection not working. That's that's a way they've tricked people that don't understand what they're talking about. If you're not if you're not producing antibodies or your body's not having any kind of immune function response, that's not the vaccine going away. That's your immune system not working. So they need to inject you with more garbage to make it have the reaction again, and it goes away even faster. And all the while, you're causing all sorts of other problems with the cytotoxic spike protein, the lipid nanoparticles, the mRNA, all of which are causing problems, predominantly the spike protein. Um, it's not my opinion. Peer-reviewed science has found that, including from the Salk Institute. But I've referenced all this before. He says the study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses was lower than that among people unvaccinated. Their immune function in general, the point being that people that had two doses of this thing had a lower generally functioning immune system than people that had none of them. How in the world do you misunderstand that? And he says that according to the European Medicines Agency, which, by the way, of course, they forget to mention because that challenges their entire point. They also reference this, which I'll show you next. The European Medicines Agency recommended not giving booster shots frequently because of the adverse effects on the immune response. We think about how dumb it is to ignore that part of it because they're pointing at this exact study and argue that that just doesn't apply. Is the whole entire government a false news conspiracy theorist? Certainly possible, but think about how dumb that is. It says, though, the decrease in immunity can be caused by several factors. This is his opinion. I agree with this. Spike protein, lipid nanoparticles. Oh, my God. Antibody-dependent enhancement. It's amazing how that can't even cross their lips today. Nobody in the corporate media or the government is even talking about that, even though that's one of the largest and most common things from we were referencing that before this ever started. Why? Because even Fauci said that's a problem that we seem to watch out for because, you know, if you give the wrong antibodies, you could have the wrong response. Yeah, you don't say it's amazing. They don't point at that now. You know why, though, because they're drowning in other reasons. But it says in conclusion, COVID-19 vaccination is a major risk factor for infections in critically ill patients. Exactly. Which is why we're seeing all these people over 80 and anybody that's in a pre already has pre-existing conditions to be the first ones to die. And then they go, well, they were sick already. 
yeah, that was our point in the beginning when you tried to make everyone sick, dying COVID-19. But no, no, no. It applies only on that side, but not on the other. Sort of like we apply 40 plus cycle threshold when pre-injection, but after they get the injection for breakthrough cases, we do 28 cycle threshold. It's so many examples of them trying to play the game on both sides of this. But here's another example. Oh, excuse me. I almost jumped past it all. I jumped ahead because I wanted to show that study. The point, though, is that they're pointing at that and disparaging it. But here are an endless amount of examples. This one goes back to January 17th. Oh, look what this one was. Fact check, too. <laughs> what do you know? Why a fourth COVID-19 shot likely won't provide more protection. Now, this is a kind of a corporate media take on it. Just saying it won't provide more protection where they kind of soft pedal the idea that it's actually decreasing your immune system reaction. But there's more examples of this as we go forward. Regulators in Europe say getting too many COVID booster shots may actually weaken your immune response. Right there. But it's fake news, according to CBS. C was it, uh, was it CBS? Yeah, CBS 17. Then it says scientists in Israel also report that a fourth vaccine dose doesn't appear to produce enough antibodies to protect against Omicron. Right. So we all that's that's a standing argument from all of these angles, whether or not you think it decreases your immune response in general. There's been multiple studies that have found the fourth injection, which, by the way, are means the rest of them are the same. I don't know why that's it's the same shot. Don't help you against Omicron. And yet they're still forcing it on all these people right now or mandate or, you know, or pressuring them or or coercing them. All around the world, European regulators say giving COVID-19 booster shots too frequently may weaken immune response. Now, understand, not the, the argument is immune response, your immune function. That's what we're really going to see. And they play, they say immune response. I argue it's to make it sound like it's just in the context of fighting COVID-19. But you'll find what the science says is it you're the lower immune, immune function response in general against anything. Quote, if we have a strategy in which we give boosters, let's say every four months approximately, we will end up potentially having a problem with the immune response. And the immune response may end up not being as good as we would like it to be. So we should be careful in not overloading the immune system with repeated immunizations. So instead, they fact check it and say, fake news, give it right now, put it in your child's arm. In addition, researchers in Israel say a fourth COVID shot doesn't appear to produce enough antibodies. That's just the first part of it. Now, secondarily, here is DW. Do multiple boosters exhaust our immune response? Right. So that the point is you're exhausting your immune response is about your immune system in general. Now it says some countries like Denmark, Hungary, and Chile have already authorized second boosters despite concerns from regulators. Right. Because trust the science, right? So you have the regulators that are using scientific research to say, I don't know, that's not safe. And they go, ah, do it anyway. Because that's the right thing to do because of the kids, because COVID-19 is dangerous. So it's not trusting the science at all. That's going with narrative in, in lieu of the science. Near the end of December, the WHO director said blanket booster policies are more likely to prolong the pandemic than end it. Even the WHO says this, and somehow we do it anyway. I mean, you can't, you can get lost in how, and how many examples there are of how dishonest and how all of this is an illusion. Along with citing a lack of data on the effectiveness of multiple boosters, Cavallari said that frequent boosting could potentially have a negative impact on immune response to COVID-19. Researchers say that although it's true that there's no clinical data proving the effectiveness of multiple boosters, <laughs> uh, what? Researchers say that although it's true that there's no clinical data proving the effectiveness of multiple boosters, <laughs> let's just gloss over that point. 
So we don't even know if it's going to have any effect because we're guessing. Yeah, trust the science. There's also no science to back up the idea that frequent boosters could cause fatigue in the population. That's because the research has never been attempted. So because it hasn't been attempted, let's just do it anyway and find out. I mean, every way you spin this, this is wildly unscientific and dangerous. Even if it doesn't end up being dangerous, the point is that taking action like this in the absence of any evidence is wildly dangerous because you don't know. But so let's just pump people full of boosters, even though there's no science to, to suggest that it has any good effect as we watch the opposite happen. The negative effect, the removing of, of antibodies, the reduction of immune response all across the board. But we can't see it. La, la, la. We're pretending it's not there. It's caused by anything else. Unexplained deaths. We don't know what's happening. But they say there's no science to back up that it causes fatigue. Well, that's also, I mean, it's fair to say there's not a lot of information, but that's not true. There's plenty of scientific studies that have come out finding exactly that including this one that we reference often, that literally shows you exactly the negative efficacy of your immune system beginning to attack your body. That's directly from Pfizer. Next one. EU warns against too many COVID booster shots too soon. Same point. This is the European Union saying this, saying we don't think you should do this. And here is the actual breakdown of them saying that in their open meeting. If we uh, have a strategy in which we give boosters, let's say, every four months approximately, uh, we will end up potentially having problems with the immune response, and the immune response may end up not being as good as we would like it to be. So we should be careful in not uh, um, overloading the immune system with repeated immunization, and secondly, of course, there is uh, uh, the risk of fatiguing the population with the continuous administration of boosters. Now, as said, if the situation from an epidemiological perspective is such that it might be the best option on the table, then it can be done once or maybe twice. But it's not something that we can think uh, should be repeated constantly. And it would be much better to start thinking about uh, uh, an administration of boosters that uh, is more spaced in time. And so the bottom line is he's arguing, well, let's just space them out even more. But the reality is what he's soft peddling there is that th- this is hurting people. Whether your immune response is not enough to fight off the big bad problem in the air, which I don't believe is happening, not in the sense that they're selling it on, which by the way, in their narrative is also very dangerous, right? Think about that from their side of it. You're telling us there's a big dangerous thing and that you're literally saying if we give them boosters like you're telling us to, it'll it'll lower the response needed to fight that thing off. So they do it anyway? I mean, if that's even the, if that's really the case, wouldn't you argue that that's them again taking action that get, that improves your risk or increases your risk? Yes. But the real point is that it lowers your immune function in general, which then allows you to get sick in every other possible way, which, by the way, is then used to, ch- to continue to float the narrative, calling everything COVID-19 or everything monkeypox or whatever else. So here is that study from, from, from specifically... Uh, Pfizer and Moderna, which on both sides of it show you a negative efficacy after three months. That's your immune system collapsing. There's no way. And the, the study they did to follow this up, acting like this was kind of a, a, a what's the right word they used? You know, just like a, a one-off showed the same thing to a lesser degree, but the same thing. So you can't hide the fact that after that your body goes to negative efficacy, that has not happened in any other case. We're talking about your immune system collapsing. And that's what he's pointing out here, that all they can do is attack while ignoring that the European Union Medicines Agency was saying the same thing. You think these people even care? 
You think that doctor they brought on knows that? I mean, does it even matter? <laughs> it's embarrassing. Well, here is May 13th, 2021. A little quick flashback to make you remember where we were before. Here is NBC News saying on May 13th, 2021, COVID vaccines may not protect people with immune disorders. That's interesting. You mean the immune disorders that these injections are literally causing? Well, that's a weird roundabout. And I'm on the reality that we already knew that people with immunodeficiency or immunocompromised situations have never been the people that should be taking injections. They're always the people that are kept out. And that's why they kept them out of the trials of these things. Yet, weirdly enough, they're giving it to them first. And it says NIH trials seek answers. And it says millions of Americans have immune disorders or autoimmune diseases. Much, 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 much more now. Because people with compromised immune systems were largely excluded almost entirely from the vaccine trials, it's unknown how much protection they got from the vaccine. And a recent study, or how much it hurt them, is another way you could look at that. A recent study by researchers, researchers at Johns Hopkins University found that only half of organ transplant recipients developed antibodies or two doses of the COVID vaccine. This is always the way to look at it. If it produces a response, then therefore it's good. What about all the other possible problems? What about all the, you, I mean, you all admit that things have side effects. What about the fact that you don't know because you never studied it? But all we do is go, well, we didn't develop a response there. So we ignore their heart attacks, their blood clots, everything else we ignore. Think about how crazy that is. And again, here is the most recent document, February, 2022 from Pfizer, which again, points out very clearly in immunocompromised patients. The safety is unknown, and that's the point. They don't know, and yet they're still... Why would they say, take it first? Well, the same stupid reason they're telling pregnant women to get it first, despite the fact, and down here it says the same thing, under, uh, where was it? Patients with autoimmune disorders, say the opposite side of it, the same problem, similar problem. They say the same thing in pregnant and breastfeeding. Not fully known in pregnant, but we're going to give it to them anyway. One other part that I... Oh, well, I was going to also include, like, as always, the idea that we just don't know the long-term safety. The long-term safety is unknown. So that means we don't know if it causes immune problems, but they're willing to fact check and say fake news. Or by the way, that we don't know how it interacts with other injections, like the bivalent injection or like the flu injection that they're forcing and simultaneously, even though we don't know if it reacts weird. That's science, right? Trust the science. Here's the interesting part that we don't talk about a lot. This came out in the beginning and they still, it's still there on February, 2022. The important potential risk of vaccine associated enhanced disease. That's interesting. Although not observed or identified in the clinical trials, which we know were bastardized and manipulated. You can look at Brooke Jackson's conversation. You can look at a lot of people pointing this out. And there's just new ones coming out now about trials where they've been caught manipulating this stuff. But the point is, regardless of whether it was found in the trials, it says there is a theoretical risk, mostly based on non-clinical beta coronavirus data of vaccine associated enhanced disease occurring either before the full vaccine regimen is administered, like one shot, or in vaccinees who have waning immunity over time. Oh, look at that. Well, it seems to be literally everybody unless they get the new booster. Wasn't that interesting? If the vaccine-associated enhanced disease were to be identified as a true risk, depending on its incidence and severity, it may negatively impact the overall vaccine benefit and risk assessment for certain individuals. You mean hurt their immune response? I mean, come on, guys. It's even in their own documentation. It's amazing what you can ignore if you don't want to see it. Now, now on monkeypox, which is a really important one that I think is, I, I really just am blown away at how ridiculous this all is in regard to how obvious this is more dangerous than anything else we've been seeing. Or I, I should say more dangerous, more obvious in how flimsy the argument is that this is necessary.
had to take a drink. Now it says bypassing normal clinical trial guidance. The FDA on Tuesday, which by the way, I've already pointed out, but I want to make this clear that they went again, went outside the norm to make this happen. The FDA on Tuesday expanded the emergency use authorization, which how that's even happening is, is amazing to me. For the Genios, not monkeypox vaccine, for the Genios smallpox vaccine that has been inferred from animal studies to be for people for monkeypox. An injection using cowpox for smallpox uses animal studies to infer data to argue it works for monkeypox. And that's safe and effective. To allow an alternative method of injection on top of all of that, but for high-risk children under 18. (laughs) My God. Now ask yourself how. You guys know well by now what the emergency use uh, uh, argument is, right? The idea that they need to prove that the benefits outweigh the risks, or at the very least, it's the known benefit or the known the benefits outweigh the known risks. That, that which which by definition means they don't know all the risks of the injections. Otherwise, it would be approved. What's interesting, though, thank you again for getting these bots to keep jumping in our chat. There's no deaths. They're the ones telling, there's no deaths reported. So if you're going to argue that a shot that I'll show you yet again has a risk. I mean, I guess I won't go over the data again, but I argue you go to look at my previous work on this, where I've gone through this tooth and tooth and nail to see, or fine tooth comb, I guess it's the wrong, wrong phrase, to, to, see, to show you what they're arguing. That these, and I, I mean, the bottom line, first of all, ah, I'm probably, I probably should have found this beforehand, was that they say right in this document that they don't know if this works for monkeypox. There's a zillion examples of that. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Yeah. Oh, well. I should have grabbed it beforehand. But I, if you want to see my work on this, go, go check the past discussions I've had on this very recently where I show you how ridiculous this all is, how dangerous these shots are, whether they're third generation or not. But if they bypass the normal clinical trial guidance, why would they do that For when there's no deaths? Why wouldn't you then go through the normal process, seeing as how there's no deaths, and get something that's safe? Now, if there's no deaths, then there's no risk. There's not even people being hospitalized. I mean, there's hospitalizations for this, but the bottom line is that the risk has been shown to be reasonably mild. That's even what their own data says I'll show you next. So if the risk is reasonably low, and you have an injection that's not very fleshed out, that's unknown. Why would you apply unknown risk in a situation where you know there's very low risk? Because this is the biosecurity state. I feel like this is a litmus test to see what we will take and who will actually stand up and allow this to happen. I just can't, I don't, who is actually stupid enough to take something like this in a situation with all the, with what they're telling you is happening? Because I argue most people don't even know because the people that do are the ones that are trusting what they're being told. And I don't believe that's most. But here is something really crazy. They're saying the intradermal approach is nothing new. Many providers already have experience administering allergen tests or tuberculosis skin tests this way. So what is an intradermal approach? Because that's what they're talking about here. They've used the emergency use authorization to allow it for children and to use an alternative method of injection. Why? Well, let's look at this. Oh, actually... Is right here. These are the two differences. Right. Okay. Right here. So this is intradermal injection. 
Well, oh, oh, that's what it was. Here, I will come back to that. Hold on, because I wanted to go over what it says here, which breaks down how these are used. And it's pretty short. So here are the two CDC pages. But just remember, we'll come back to the intradermal approach, which is, which is not new, but they've emergency authorized its use for this thing with children. Why the focus on children in a situation where it's people, men having sex with men, all this close to close contact? Like, how do you even make sense of that? On says, how it spreads. Updated the end of last month. Can, it says spread to anyone through close, personal, often skin-to-skin contact. Now, even the idea that you have to be close enough to be, to be borderline skin-to-skin contact for this to actually spread, historically anyway, assuming that's even what we're pointing at right now, because there's different symptoms and different spread and all everything's different, but we're still going with what this is because it causes some kind of pustules, which, by the way, I'm not going to get into today, but there's discussions about how radiation can cause exactly those things or all sorts of side effects of these injections I have shown you can look just like this. But any case, spread to close personal skin-to-skin contact. Scientists are still researching if the virus can spread when someone has no symptoms. Now, why would you suddenly start researching that? Is that historically what it's done? Did it do that in Africa? So why are we just reinventing the wheel? Because that's what they want. That's my opinion. But because the asymptomatic transmission is a huge sell point. That's what they used, even though they now pulled that back at the end, now that we're focusing on other things, they use that to scare people the entire time with COVID. And then the next one is how often monkeypox is spread through respiratory secretions. Or when a person with monkeypox symptoms might be more likely to spread through respiratory secretions. So they're literally arguing with a different terminology that you can spread it by speaking, right? The idea is close personal contact. The idea that you're, that you're letting people think that you can be coughing and spreading this to people on the other side of the room is a manipulation. Now, could that be happening? Sure. But the point is that historically speaking, that's not even remotely close to how this has been happening. So if everything different about the everything about this is different, we should start to ask whether that's what we're dealing with. Here's a more interesting point. When they discuss transmission, they're right now asking people to wear masks. Why does that make sense with something that doesn't spread by respiratory droplets? Something that doesn't spread by aerosolization. Some, and by the way, if we don't here, here's actually, by the way, I this is my main argument for why I forgot to bring this up. Why I think if you're thinking in a nefarious way, they're making people wear masks for something that doesn't spread that way because the Fogan effect is how you make it spread that way. The mechanism by which face masks contribute to the COVID-19 case fatality rate or anything you're wearing them for, for that matter, because the bottom line is these findings suggest that masks might pose a yet unknown threat. And it says the cause of this trend is explained that it, by the theory that deep re-inhalation of hyper-condensed droplets or pure virons caught in face masks as droplets can worsen prognosis and might be linked to long-term effects of COVID-19 infection. And then it says down here more specifically, if I can grab it real quick, right here, that the use of better masks like N95s with a higher droplet filtering capacity, probably should cause an even stronger effect. Why? Because the number of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increases in the same way that outward shedding is reduced. The point is you're creating the aerosolization in and of itself, which makes you get more sick, but the idea then is it creates that in the environment around you. Now, that's the only point I want to make in context of this discussion, but the clear reality is, it says CDC currently recommends that people infected with monkeypox wear a mask. They say if they might be around other other people in their home, but if you're talking about, you know, skin to skin contact, 
<clears throat> there's no art, there's no logical reason why you should wear a mask, especially since that dramatically increases your risk. Which, by the way, they know. I'm not I'm not soft pedaling this anymore. They know that, especially with cloth masks. But then it says, <clears throat> excuse me, in examples where it can spread, it says yes, respiratory secretions through face to face interactions that t- that. Uh, Oh, where, where's it? Uh, it says that type. With, okay. Oh, that's weird. Oh, so it just, there's no, oh, the period's at the end. I see. Sorry, I was looking for the end of that sentence. Respiratory secretion through face-to-face interaction. That's the sentence. And it says the type that mainly happens when people live close to each other. But the point is, didn't you just say right here that's still being researched? Yes. But yet somehow they say, yes, that can happen right over here. So here's a good example of the CDC right now contradicting their own advice so if they're still researching whether it's possible and telling you yes it's possible they're being manipulative but bottom but the bottom line is they're trying to manipulate people into thinking this is a respiratory spreading virus and that's just not true unless we're dealing with something else but here are the weird injection points because what they're saying here i guess i swear i thought i had a point here that related to that yeah, it doesn't matter. The point here is the examples of how they're injecting this. So they're talking about emergency authorizing this so it can be intradermally injected into kids. And here's where this is what this is. Often abbreviated as ID is a shallow or superficial injection of a substance into the dermis, which is located between the epidermis and the hypodermis. So not even beneath the skin, within the skin. The route of administration is relatively rare compared to injections into a subcutaneous tissue or muscle, which is the alternative. Which, by the way, is the op- the other side. Of- I see, I did have that somewhere. Spread. I guess I must have got rid of it. Ah, whatever. Oh, no, it was right here. Okay, yeah, good. I'll co- Let me read this first then. So this is the Janios vaccine, right? This is the most up-to-date data. For the injection, even includes the listing of the emergency authorization on August 9th. So you can see that it's updated. And it says on August 9th, 2022, the FDA announced it issued an emergency use authorization, which, by the way, is literally illegal based on the definition of what an emergency use authorization is. There is no risk to justify the potential risks of this injection or the unknown risks on either side of it because the benefits are not there. You're not you're not at risk from something. But it says. To, they, they, they emergency authorized this injection to allow healthcare providers to use the vaccine by intradermal injection for individuals 18 years of age or older. So we're talking intradermal, which is this, or uh, right here, intradermal. So between the skin, where's my place here, right here, for 18 years of age or older. Right Then it says, who are deemed high risk for infection. And the EUA allows for the use of Janios in under 18. And it says in these individuals, Janios is administered by subcutaneous injection. So that's weird. So you're taking the route of just between the skin for grownups, but for children, you're doing it differently. Here's why this is crazy to me. So this one is one, and it argues in there, it's usually preferred uh, injection, therefore used for certain types of therapies only. Like it's meant to be more soft pedaling. Like it doesn't go as, as, it doesn't, it doesn't have as fast uptake and so on, right? So you'd argue that would be used for the people like children that are smaller, that don't need as much. Okay, but here's the op, here's what they're doing for children. Subcutaneous. It says this type of injection is a short needle is used to inject a drug into the tissue layer between the skin and the muscle. So it's deeper. 
Medication given this way is usually absorbed more slowly than injected into a vein, but even more slowly if done this way. So why would you slow make it faster uptake for children? It's a good question. This type of injection is used when other methods of administration might be less effective. Okay, so how would you explain why you would use a deeper injection for kids? That's the first question. The second question is why in the world do you think it's safe to give them something that is completely the argument of why this is even used for monkeypox is so abstract and undefined under a guise that we have to rush because we're all in danger. They're still playing the COVID game for something that's not even remotely dangerous right now based on what they're telling you. That's not to say that it's not. They're saying this is mild, mostly for most people. No one's dying. And yet they're using the same argument. Nothing about this makes sense. This thing is dangerous. Now, the point that I keep making about the spread They argue these are generation three, which they say can't spread. Yet I just played you the video of people saying they got this thing and then got sick or got it and got much, much worse. Now, regardless of that, if you're putting this thing so lightly on the edge of the skin for most adults, the argument may stand to see that there's something weird about that, especially since you just removed the guidance on social distancing. So like everybody get close to each other. I mean, there's something weird happening here. I don't know. I'm not trying to jump to any conclusions, but what I do know is that nothing is justified, whether scientifically or otherwise, in what this is. That's not my opinion. There's plenty of doctors out there saying the same. You're supposed to trust the science, which means trust the narrative. And on top of that, the polio vaccine discussion I told you is going to continue to continue to ramp up. They just came out this again three hours ago, New York Times. The polio virus has again been detected in wastewater from New York City, suggesting the virus is circulating in the city. The spread poses a risk to unvaccinated people. But that's not true because we just showed you that they were saying in the UK that most of these people are getting sick with it. But most of those kids have already had polio injections. That was what we just talked about. So how in the world are most of the people that are sick, the ones that have injections already, yet you're arguing that unvaccinated people are at risk, especially since this is an oral polio vaccine strain, which they've admitted to that is spreading. So it's caused by their vaccines that coming by God. Everything about this is wrong, and we are in the middle of a rapidly spreading biosecurity state. You just need to care enough to pay attention, guys. The data is there for you. It is obvious. Oh, whew, that was weird. I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> I saw a wrong window, and I thought I had the wrong screen up. So the last point here to finish up, doing pretty good on this for 245, I guess. I thought I was, <laughs> thought I was actually closer to two. <laughs> to finish up here, guys. I want to make sure we see where this all goes. We know the vaccine passport conversation is going to come back up in this country. It's already there. They're already still floating it and using it, but they're not really focusing on it. But it's happening aggressively in places like Canada, just under the digital identity program. It's the same thing because in there has a place for your vaccine credentials. This is social credit, digital ID, exactly what we told you was coming. It was called conspiracy theory, and it's rapidly rolling out right now around the world. Trudeau's government, according to True North, is going to introduce a national digital ID program. How you don't see that is exactly what we've been talking about and exactly what they're using to attack people and suppress content and allow, you know, the point is if you don't do the right thing, you'll be shut down. They'll admit that to you. They'll even suggest they should do that. But this is where it's going. We need to be on guard against this because here, guys, now here's one. I was just talking about this where we should be very skeptical and we still should even with this video about what we see from China because of how much was shown to be false from before, the early COVID stuff. But this is interesting. This is a corporate media outlet, doesn't mean you should be trusting them, that went to China and is showing you this. Now, why would they do that? 
I argue it's because one, they do want to scare you. So China bad guy. But on top of that, they want to normalize the idea of this in a way that gets you aware of it. Even if you're scared of it, to get it in your mind and know that it's there. And then when it rolls out with their different justification, you're, you're at least aware of it. That's how this stuff works. Predictive programming. This is an alarming video about what's right now happening, according to the corporate media, in China. And we just showed you a couple videos about this the other day. Beijing Airport. It almost goes without saying that my trip begins with a coronavirus check. The app on my smartphone has to flash green, indicating a recent negative PCR test. We clear the first hurdle, only to find the airport deserted. Social distancing is given precedence over commerce, with restaurants and stores forced to close. We're flying to Hangzhou, 1,100 kilometers away, on China's east coast. On arrival, I, of course, have to show my coronavirus app again. Then I'm given another PCR test in the terminal, even though I showed a fresh negative test from Beijing. But that's not all. At the exit, I have to do yet another test, this time a rapid test. Only when that too is negative can I finally leave the... I mean, it just, th this is the world they're building, guys. And we just showed you the clips of, of the, the Chinese people, the people trying to get on the bus and they're all screaming to show their COVID, their QR codes. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really scary to see this build out in front of us. That is what they're drooling about right now. That is what the world, uh, the, the World Economic Forum is what they're pointing at. That's actually what they're saying we should do from a guy for from a point of equitable situation. I mean, it's it, none of the, what they're saying is what I believe is actually being built. Now here, Adam Brimson Designs points out something I just think is a you know a good kind of illustration of what is coming. He says, turn his tweet from before where he just types this out into a dystopian social credit system into a comic style graphic that says people used to get censored for social media posts in the past. Best case scenario is suspension for a day or two. Worst case, permanent ban. Down here it says, but now the year is 2031 and we are being banned from society. I mean, there's, this is a logical conclusion to make. This is exactly what they're even arguing in some ways. Look at what they're saying about the MAGA movement. And Q I mean, these people, they have a right to say and think what they want. It says, we have suspended your social credit this month because the post from 2013 went against our community guidelines. If you'd like to appeal this decision, please click here. Alternatively, you can repent with 50 hours of hard labor at your nearest location. Find out where. I mean, people will scoff at that. But, but you shouldn't. I mean, guys, I've, th that is quite literally what they would what would build. It's quite literally, uh, maybe save for the repentant 50-hour labor camps, what's happening in China. And maybe that is. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me at all. The problem here is that this is what they want. Now, to finally, to end point here, as Neil Oliver points out, whatever the elite have planned, they are utterly powerless if enough of us say so. And you know what the biggest block to that is? The two-party paradigm. I said, this cannot be said enough. The biggest hindrance to the awareness of this is party politics. In the U.S., the two-party illusion. If we could actually cross those lines sustainably, we could see there's an example of that word being used. And it's not about the continually nonstop. We can cross those lines and maintain that crossing. We can stop this. But if we don't and we allow the or 
red wave or the Democrat blue wave or whatever side's pushing that time and that day and allow them to argue that they're the ones fighting for you and let people take that that day. We will not stop this. Mark my words, because they are going to rationalize this from another angle. And the same people that just don't want to see it, who have taken team sides, are going to stand up and act like we're now the ones fighting against freedom. Just like now with the Democrats, it's going to go back and forth and back and forth. I've been doing this long enough to see it from both sides, to see it teeter-totter and be called the Republican and be called the Democrat, depending on which side it swings, even though we're nonpartisan and attack them both equally for being as ridiculous as they are. Stand up, guys. See it. And end. I got to show you this video again. I just played on a recent interview. Just, just this, this, this video of mass psychosis. Truly a video of just how crazy this got and will get again. And in a lot of ways still is. But thank you for tuning in today. Please help me spread the word. Help me get the information out. Because it's never been more important, guys. You all know that. You all see the writing on the wall. We need to fight. And I don't mean violently. I don't even mean physically. But sometimes that is what happens. And sometimes you have to respond. But I never argue that violence is the answer. I never argue because violence begets violence, as you guys know. But lastly, I do want to make another shout out to you guys. Because again, because of what keeps happening, I don't know how much you guys have been following, you know, the modern, the Discord community and so on, the attacks that we're currently under and how my server is what verifiably being attacked, whether, whether it's government or anything else, it is being focused on to be brought down by targeted attacks, according to my own team, as well as all of a sudden my, my email stopped working both from my ha- my Gmail accounts and other things. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy guys. I don't even give you all this information because I can't prove whether this is a coincidence or a glitch or whatever else, but it's, it's, I mean, you got my whole com- my brand of computer just suddenly stopped working and I had to get it. I mean, it's over and over and over, whether that's to drain my resources or distract me or wear me down, which to some degree in all of those is does work. I will keep going. But I just want to give another shout out to those that if you can support The Last American Vagabond, please do so. We need your support today more than we ever have. Here's a, here's a link that I'll include to the donation page, which is right here at the top, as well as along with the donation for crypt- cryptocurrency or Subscribestar or Cash App or to buy our t-shirts or anything else. Or just support my music if you'd like. Or just come in here and search around and share the links. But the point is we need your help, guys. And you know, historically through this work, I've never done that even focused on the idea of that because it's always been the point to which you guys believe in this enough to do so and you still do but we've gotten to a point where now the attacks are starting to outweigh the general support but you guys do what you need to do in general because everybody out there is in a position of struggle they're making that the case but i believe in you i love you all as always question everything come to your own conclusions Stay vigilant. Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world 
that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter. And the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.